I am your host, Bob Buell. Uh, this is an oddly numbered interview show where we ask all sorts of interesting people, interesting questions. And today with me, I have the legendary, the world famous, Mr. Dan Reichert. Dan, how are you today? Oh, geez. Those are two descriptors I don't know if I can live up to. I'm just a guy sitting in his closet recording a podcast with a fella. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm doing all right. I'm doing great. Keeping busy, uh, you know, during this pandemic business. And, uh, uh, I'm, I'm making the best of it. Yeah, that's that's what we're trying to do. Uh, but hey, Dan, thank you so much for being here. Uh, as I made mention of, this is a, a 99 question interview. But uh, where would we be without just a couple simple ground rules up front before we get into the questions? So, uh, ground rule number one: uh, take as much time or as little time as you need to answer these questions. If a yes or no suffices, give me a yes or no. If you need to tell a short story about your life. To better understand that answer, I want to hear that story. Great. Uh, ground rule number two, I don't think there's anything controversial or political or crazy in here, but if you want to pass, we can pass. No judgment. We'll skip over the question. No problems here. If there's two things I always am, it's <laughs> controversial and political. <laughs> it's very true. It's very true. Uh, ground rule number three, uh, despite the name of the show being 99 questions, there might be some extra ones. I might sprinkle in a follow-up. Uh, some of these might just be a sentence that I put a question mark at the end of. Eh, let's not get too literal with the definition of the word questions here. Uh, otherwise, the whole premise of this show falls apart. But uh, the first of those non-question questions. Dan, are you ready? I have never been more ready in my life. Oh, I love it. I love it. All right. Hard hitting right out of the gate here. All right. Question, question one. What's the perfect breakfast? Uh, I do not believe in uh, breakfast food being like the whole thing of like, oh, there are breakfast foods and there are whatever foods. It's like, no, all food tastes the same, whether you have it at 7 a.m. or you have it at 7 p.m. or 4 in the morning. So I'm not a uh, breakfast person typically. So I will say uh, some reheated pizza or um, some like just leftover stuff. Like, you know, if I have an extra quesadilla in the in the fridge from like if I got Taco Bell the night before, that's perfect. Like that idea of waking up and being like, oh, shit, I forgot there's a quesadilla in there. I'm reheating <laughs> that. Uh, that is actually that's my favorite right there. I'll say a uh, a reheated formerly microwave uh, now air fryer. I got an air fryer. So I'll say oh. an air fryer reheated chicken quesadilla from Taco Bell. Chicken quesadilla. I was going to say, I think that is their best quesadilla. I, I believe so. They're all great, but chicken's the best. I love it. I love it. I'm really living the gimmick right out of the gate with the Taco Bell answer, but uh... <laughs> think it outside the bum. I like yes, it always. <laughs> Question two, and I think this carries a lot of weight coming from you. Question two: Who's the coolest dude? Oh man, the coolest dude. Um, now I usually reserve that phrase for you know like action heroes and uh, mm -hmm. dudes in action games and stuff like that. So uh, in my definition of a cool dude. I'm going to have to say John Matrix from Commando. Ooh. He's just a dude who fights for what's good. He has one-liners for when he kills bad guys, and he saves the day at the end. I think John Matrix is the the prototype of a cool dude. I think that's an X. And also, what a name. 
Yeah, it's a good. That's that's what I'm saying. He he fits all the the check boxes for action cool dude. Uh, I think John Matrix has all of those, so I, I got to go with him. I love it. I love it. Question three: Steak, chicken, or fish? Chicken. Mm, definitive. I like it. Yep. Uh, question four: What's the best gift you've ever gotten? Oh man, that's a great question. Um. One that comes to mind immediately from my childhood is um, when I turned 16. It's my 16th birthday, and I'll tell the short version of the story. Basically, my mom told uh, me and my friend Charlie that she was taking us to Worlds of Fun, the amusement park in Kansas City, which is about a 40-minute drive from my house. And about two hours into the drive, she was like looking at me, and she was like, Hey, are you wondering why we're not at Worlds of Fun yet? And I was like, nope, excited to be there. Can't wait to ride some roller coasters. Just totally oblivious. And then like another hour went by or something. And we're like crossing halfway through Missouri, which, you know, World's of Fun is like on the border of Kansas, basically. Um, and she's like, hey, Dan, I'm just going to tell you here because I don't think you're ever going to figure out that we're not going to World's of Fun. But uh, we're going to Monday Night Raw in St. Louis. Uh, we got ringside seats. And so this is the height of the Attitude Era. This was uh, the year 2000. Oh, we got yeah. ringside seats right on the ramp, where uh, right where Undertaker would park his bike during the kind a biker taker era yeah, yeah and it was like the height of my fandom my 16th birthday timing couldn't have been better um i just remember losing my mind when we got to the hotel room and i was doing little swanton bombs from bed to bed and stuff <laughs> like that like i was just uh over the moon so she she really surprised me with that one so that's that's the first one that comes to mind definitely from my childhood that's phenomenal yeah it, it was great yeah uh all right question five what's the best gift that you've ever given oh well my wife, Bonk, uh, always says that the noise-canceling headphones I got her uh, that she uses every day and swears by, she uh, she says that's the best gift she's ever received. So that sounds like that's the best one I've given to her. Um, I've given my dad some pretty good ones. I... Uh, Oh, I got my dad a Switch and uh, Super Mega Baseball and Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, and he played that religiously for a long time. So that's got to be up there. I'm, I'm sure there are other ones I'm not thinking of, but that, those are the first that come to mind. I like it. And I've seen a couple of those streams. Uh, your dad's getting pretty good at Super Mega Baseball. Oh, uh, he, knows, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he's he's no chump, for sure. <laughs> uh, question six. What did you want to do for a living when you were a kid? Um. Well... Uh, the earliest one was definitely right for Game Informer. Uh, I subscribed when I was nine years old and I saw like, you know, Andy McNamara and Reiner and all those guys in the, the staff section and they appeared to be adult men. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to be an adult man sometime. And you're telling me that I can do this and be paid for it. Well, that's exactly <laughs> what I want to do. Um, so yes, that would be the first thing I wanted to do. But then like there were newspaper articles about me from high school when I was starting to do a bunch of short films and stuff. And I talked about how my dream career was uh, writing for Conan O'Brien. Um, oh. So that was definitely up there working for wrestling. Like there was a video I recorded when I was a teenager that was uh, intended to be for my future WWE interview uh, where it's like, Hey, I want to, uh, by the time you're watching this, I'll probably be an adult, but I just want to let you guys know how much I know about wrestling, even though I'm only 14 or whatever. And uh, <laughs> believe it or not, uh, I did not use that in my interview. <laughs> Weird. But, uh, so yeah, I would say there were three kind of like life goal ones. And it was basically write about video games, work for WWE, uh, and uh, work for Conan O'Brien. Uh, so yeah, two out of three of those uh, ain't bad as far as dream careers. You hear that, Conan? <laughs> <laughs> got it. Got one left off the list here. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm okay. good with my, with my job. <laughs> Perfect. 
<laughs> He's string dancing away in fear right yes, now. Yes, as he does. Uh, <laughs> uh, question seven. What's the largest animal you can beat up in a fight? Um, I was um, walking the other day uh, around Stamford, Connecticut here, and I saw what was either a badger or a beaver. I don't know what the difference is. Uh, I was right by a little creek, and it sprinted across the sidewalk, and I'd, I'd never seen it. It was like you know, like you would see a squirrel hop across the street, yeah. but uh, it was this big old thing with big fat cheeks and stuff. And I just stopped and I stared at it, and it looked at me uh, as it crossed <laughs> the sidewalk, and I was like, "What the hell? I've never seen something like this just scamper across the street." And it was not. It wasn't tiny. It wasn't like squirrel sized, but it wasn't like a wolf. Um, so I, I think I could probably take either a badger or a beaver. Hmm. I think you could. I yeah. believe in you. Yeah. Just watch out for them teeth. Yes. <laughs> I don't know the difference either. Now that you mention it, I was thinking about that the entire time you were saying that. I, I'm honestly not sure. It could have been an otter. I don't know the difference between an otter. <laughs> throw, throw that in the mix. Could be one of the three. <laughs> Brutal match, really. Um, question eight. Who's someone you look up to? Mm. Mm. Um, I, I'm just going to go with one that's persisted throughout my whole life. And uh, I've always, I, I would say kind of my comedic and uh, professional idol uh, has always been David Letterman. Um, mm. Yeah. Um, and I've actually just been doing a lot of that lately, going back and watching his old late night stuff from the 80s. And, uh, you know, cause growing up, like Conan was the thing for me, but then as I got older and started learning more about Letterman, I, cause I always watched the late show with Letterman growing up. I would always watch yeah. Letterman then Conan, but by the time he was on CBS and everything, he was kind of checked out by a lot of the time I was like a teenager. Uh, he was still hilarious, still loved him, but it wasn't until I started going back to his old stuff that I realized like, Oh, everything Conan did was extremely inspired by old Letterman. And so now that's kind of become my thing. Or if I'm playing like a roguelite or something, like I've been playing uh, undermine and it's mm. a great like podcast game. And so I will put that on one screen and I will put just random full episodes of late night with David Letterman on the other screen. And just every episode I watch, is just something that's just like, this is the most inspired genius comedy <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Like this is just unbelievable. Uh, so I would have to say Dave Letterman. That's a great one. Have you, I've, I've fallen into those rabbit holes of like looking up old Larry Bud Melman yes! clips on yes. YouTube. And it's like him at the train station yeah, the in New York. Authority, where he's giving, offering everyone hot towels. And <laughs> yeah, towels. and he doesn't understand how microphones work. And so he keeps pulling it away from their face <laughs> and it's just killing Dave. Yes, it's amazing. It leaves me in stitches. Absolutely yes. amazing. That's exactly the stuff I'm talking about. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Uh, all right. Question nine. What's the first album you bought with your own money? Um, I want to say it was a compilation. Uh, like it was like an experienced Jimi Hendrix CD. Um, mm. and I remember I used to sit on the floor and play NFL blitz for the Nintendo 64. And I would listen to that. And also the second CD I bought, which was the soundtrack to the rock. And so I would just listen to those two CDs while playing NFL Blitz. I don't know why that's a, a crystallized memory in my brain, but it definitely <laughs> is. But I, for, those are the first ones I bought with my own money. I remember having cassettes like Get a Grip by Aerosmith. Uh, I remember uh, I had Jagged Little Pill, the Alanis Morissette album. Oh, okay. um, yeah, I had, a, I had a few cassettes. I had uh, Shaq and the Fushnickens. I had that uh, that cassette. I had Onyx. Uh, I had Tag Team from Whoop, There It Is. And I, I had some very early 90s cassettes, but the first I bought, I think, was Hendrix and The Rock. It's a good choice. What a what a combo there. <laughs> uh, question 10. What's your go-to karaoke song? Um, 
I typically, I have to be pretty drunk to do karaoke, and I'm usually <laughs> with my dad at karaoke bars, so we tend to lean towards just old country guys that don't have good voices, so like we do, uh, I, I do a lot of, uh, Are You Sure Hank Done It This Way by Waylon Jennings, um, I think that one's in GTA 5, if I'm remembering right, um, some Warren Zevon stuff on occasion, my dad and I would do Lawyers, Guns, and Money, um, so yeah, stuff that, you know, we're not doing Freddie Mercury and Axl Rose out here, so, although I have done both of those and it, it ended poorly. <laughs> I couldn't possibly imagine why. <laughs> Bad stuff. <laughs> uh, question 11. What's the last song that you listened to? Oh, geez. Um, boy, honestly, I probably just listen to Rocky music more than anything else. Uh, mm. Like if I'm exercising. But lately I've been doing yoga and you're not really like listening to a lot of, uh, you know, you're not putting on Rocky playlists while you're doing yoga. Yeah, um, it seems counterintuitive a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't really work. So the last thing that I actually played, you know, you know what I listened to recently was a uh, Chromio. Have you heard of them? Um, no, I don't think I have. Uh, they do a lot of vocoder stuff. Uh, it's uh, they're just a weird. I don't even know how to describe them. I, I'm not a, a music expert by any means, but Chromio is just kind of a funky, weird band. They just put out a, a quarantine themed album, and I was listening to some of that. So uh, I guess the last one I played might have been Chromio. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, question 12, what's a band or musical artist that you want to hear more from? Uh, Queens of the Stone Age. That's a good one. Are they, they are probably still my favorites. officially together? Uh, they're just one of those, it, it's all just kind of Josh Homme and like, he just kind of goes wherever the wind takes him. Like, you know, yeah. he'll do side projects and, you know, solo stuff and work with other bands and stuff. So Queens of the Stone Age basically is Josh Homme and then like this kind of rotating, uh, band of, of musicians. So I think whenever he wants to make a Queens of the Stone Age record, I think he can gather some buddies up and, and make it. Gotcha. That's yeah. Very nice. Uh, 13. What's a song that brings the most emotion out of you? Uh, it's cliche. It's cliche, but, um, free bird always gets me free bird. Mm. Like every time it's, uh, it's building up to the, the solo and everything. It always, uh, get, get a little goosebumps going on there. Uh, and then I just can't help but get into the solo. It's the most cliche classic rock song in the world. That's always brought up, but like, I don't know. I've always just absolutely just loved, loved, loved that song. So, uh, that's the first one I think of. I mean, those cliche songs don't get there by accident. They get Mm -mm. there because they rule and have ruled for like 30 years. Yeah, yeah. Also, Simple Man by Skinner. Skinner always kind of, I Never Dreamed by Skinner. A lot of of Skinner stuff. You know, Skinner, I think, is seen as as a joke by a lot of people because they think it's just like Sweet Home Alabama and Freebird and they just think they're a bunch of like dumb rednecks or whatever. But like there is so much heart and and talent in Skinner that uh, I, I really love them. Fantastic. Yes. Uh, question 14. What's your favorite music video? Oh, Estranged by Guns N' Roses. Have you oh, seen this? No. It's part I... of their, uh, oh God, it was some, it's the something trilogy. And it's like, it starts with Don't Cry, which is, uh, there's nothing super crazy going on in that video. And then it goes to November Rain is the middle part. It's the dark middle of the trilogy. And in November <laughs> Rain is the one where Slash is in the middle of the field in front of the church, just wailing while a helicopter shot is going out around him. It's just, the November Rain video scared the shit out of me as a kid. But then the estranged one is where it just goes full on Axel off the rails. And he's like swimming with dolphins and Slash is like oh, floating down 
like 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 uh, the Sunset Strip is covered in water, and there are dolphins <laughs> swimming underneath it, and Slash is like rising out of the ocean, and then Axel is on an oil tanker, and they had to rent out like an actual oil tanker for the video, and I think Axel cost them like a million dollars because they had to turn this giant thing around 180 because he wanted the sun on one side of the ship or something, and he jumps off, and Duff McKagan goes out in like a rowboat trying to save him and throw a life preserver <laughs> at Axel, but Axel's like, no, I'm gonna swim with the dolphins, and then the last shot is uh, the fucking his sneaker with Axel on the back floating to the bottom of the ocean and then it fades to a like love Axel uh, screen where it's just Axel sitting with a dolphin and a, the dolphin has a towel around it like Axel just had sex with it I have no <laughs> idea what's going on in that video watch the estranged video by Guns N' Roses it is I, definitely my favorite I cannot wait to see this music video now it's nine, it's nine minutes long pack a lunch it's a great video it's not directed by Hideo Kojima by the way you're describing it <laughs> you know honestly there may be some parallels between Axel Rose and Hideo Kojima <laughs> I would watch that video essay. Someone make that. God. Oh, boy. I've always enjoyed insane uh, tours, you know, that, that sometimes inflate their own uh, meanings and everything in their own work. And uh, Axel and Kojima definitely come from maybe a similar cloth with that. Yeah. Honestly, the more I think about it, it's, it's kind of something there. Uh <laughs> I you know what, you know you know Ben Hansen obviously that that's yeah. uh, how we started talking here um Hanson would always love to do these things when I was a game informer with him, where it's like, what if we sat down and Notch and Todd Howard and had him just talk? And then he would just turn the cameras on and see what happens. And sometimes, like in the case of that one, it was a tragedy uh, that did not go well. I don't know if that came through in the video, but it did not go well. Um, so for me, I think my version of that is just like, let's put Axel and Hideo in a room, turn the cameras on, and leave. We can bring a translator in there, that's fine. But <laughs> For both of them, in fact. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> wow. I would I instant smash subscribe button. If that's the video, I'm on board. Oh, I love it. Uh question uh 15. You've got a million dollars, but you have to donate it all to charity. What charity is it going to go to? Oh man. Um I tend uh to lean towards mental health charities. Um hmm. I don't I I've, I've talked uh, at length about my struggles with anxiety disorders, things like that, so it's definitely a cause that uh, is is very close to me. Uh, there's, uh, I feel like I'm going to screw up the name, but uh, one of them is it's it's something like the, the Brain and Behavior Research Foundation. I think it's definitely like Brain and Behavior. I think it's Brain and Behavior Research Foundation. Um, but a few years ago, I was uh, supporting them, doing some streams and stuff. So I definitely, uh, I, I uh, yeah, that, that's an important thing to me is uh, me- mental illness charities. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Sixteen favorite holiday. Um. I always really enjoy July 4th. Um, mm. I just always like the idea, you know, going out in the summer, hanging out, having some beers, blowing some stuff up. Uh, that was always fun. Lately, Halloween. I've always thought Halloween was really fun. Um, mostly as a kid. You know, I, I don't do as much like, you know, dressing up and I'm not like trick-or-treating at 36 or anything like that. But uh, I want to. Don't get me wrong. I want to. Um, but I don't know. Candy. Don't... I mean, how could you not, really? Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> I, I love candy. I love the fall. I love uh, yeah, just the feel of Halloween, the smell of it. Uh, so mm. actually, you know, I, I might say Halloween now. Nice. See, we, we're, we're getting growth just through this one question. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Tremendous. <laughs> uh 17 what's your go-to drink when you walk into a coffee shop i don't really walk into coffee shops mm, okay 
That's yeah. fair. I, I have done that where, you know, like uh, my wife loves coffee, and so I, I will accompany her, and occasionally uh, I'll, you know, she'll, I don't really know how to order coffee. That's always like, every, anytime I've tried to, I always just stand there and freeze like a deer in the headlights, because I'll ask, because I don't know how coffee works. And so I'll just be like, I'll take, well, I never know that there's like Americano, and there's a something, something, and something, something. Like, I never know the difference between <laughs> any of them. And I always am just like, I just, just give me the normal guy coffee. I just want, just, just give me the most normal coffee. But then they ask a question where it's like, oh, do you want whole milk or uh, something else or a half and half. And like, I don't know what any of these things are. And I just wind up having to like, look at Bianca and just like deer in headlights. Like, what do I want? I don't, I don't know how to order coffee. So <laughs> I really avoid it at all costs. Wow. Fascinating. Just, just as a quick rule of thumb, cause this is my go-to drink. Just go in there, medium black coffee, and then just quickly turn your head. So they ask you no follow-up questions. <laughs> just dive out the window and yeah. don't get the coffee. Go home. Toss them $4 and dive to the floor. Yeah, just MacGruber ca- style. Yes. Just cackle all the way home. <laughs> I got them. Uh, 18 spell the word gray. Oh, you know what you're doing here. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> I mean, G R E Y. But it can be. I just had to look this up because I just uh, I've been playing through Metal Gear Twin Snakes, and I just mm-hmm. uploaded uh, the first part of it, and I was like listing all the bosses I encountered, and I was like, is it G R A Y or G R E Y for Gray Fox? Oh, and it's yeah. G R A Y. Um, I don't know if there's if they're interchangeable or if one of them indicates something and the other doesn't. I've I've heard mixed things on the matter. That's why I like putting it in there. I think some I people are like A. A. Okay. I think. But I spelled yeah, sure. Gray Fox with an E. I I don't know. I don't. This is I, I. I'm no. I don't know. I don't know. Ooh, I like it. Uh, question nineteen. What's your prized possession? Oh man. Uh, well, I'm sitting in my podcast closet right now, and the thing right in front of my face is a giant Super Mario Sunshine beach towel um, that I proudly display on the wall. Uh, that that's the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, I have so many weird things from. 15 plus years in video games. <laughs> There's got to be something more interesting than a Super Mario Sunshine beach towel. Um, but, you know, looking around, I'm actually in the room where I would have all like my memorabilia stuff. Oh, nice. And I got all sorts of rare like E3 stuff or stuff that was only given out to the press and things like that. And I, uh, boy, that beach towel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the beach towel counts. There's got to be something more. I've got a liquor globe next to my couch. It's one of those globes that you open up and there's booze in there. Oh, that, I like that's, those. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Boy, either I, a towel or the globe? <laughs> <laughs> the rapid fire nature of these questions. I can't guarantee that every answer I have is going to be the correct or right one that I would enter if I like, had time to think about it. But those are the first two that come to mind. That's fair. I like it. Uh, question 20. Are you competitive? Uh, this is one that anybody who has seen my stuff on Giant Bomb or just my whole online thing would definitely assume yes. Um, and no one, this is the thing that no one ever believes me about is that I don't give a shit about winning. Like when I do like Mario Party and stuff, I am getting into it and I'm getting competitive and I'm like, you know, healing it up, you know, when I, when I steal someone's star or I'm like getting pissed when something happens, I'm doing that because that's how I always played games. Cause it's like, I always thought, well, if you're going to play a game against each other, it's a comp like make it fun. You know, you got to mm. act like you give a shit, you know, like, and it's, it's not like I'm faking it. It's like, that is just how I play competitive games is that like, yeah, when you're playing a fighting game against someone, 
you laugh at someone and tell them to eat shit if you beat them, you know, but like not in a, it's never like a mean way. Like I've never broken a controller. I've never stormed out of a thing in a legit fashion. Like, you know, so that's the thing. Like I will say that on podcasts and I'm not competitive. And then I'll see people like on, on Reddit or Twitter post a link to like the live Mario party we did at PAX one year. We're like the, my favorite thing I did at Giant Bomb. I think the uh, the live Mario Party where Drew came back out of nowhere and beat me uh, at the last second, and I you mm-hmm. know I took the earpiece out and I, I walked off stage and stormed off and like just because like that's what I felt was the right thing in the moment to like you know it's not fun if we're all just sitting there like this sucks and then you know it's just like <laughs> who gives a shit then somebody has to give a shit and so it's like. You know, I think that's more fun for the audience. And, you know, people, everyone cheering Drew. I was so happy that, like, the ultimate baby face won and the, the big heel got his comeuppance. And I thought it was the right thing to kind of, like, storm off and then play into that moment. Um, but, like, people use that as an example that I actually am competitive and that I storm off and I get pissed off. It's like, no, I was ecstatic. The second I talked to everyone afterwards, I was like, that was the best possible ending to that thing. I love that so much, you know? Like, <laughs> so I would say, no, I don't think I'm competitive. I, like, I get driven by like, I, I'm very ambitious and I, I want everything I do. I, I want to go as hard into something as I can and succeed as much as I can. But I'm not like mad when I lose something or something. And I mm. use that as like, well, I, I don't want to say I, I use it as a way to uh, get better or something. Because in the case of like video games and stuff, I've never been a competitive. Like I love playing like Call of Duty online and fighting games and stuff, but I've never been like good at them and when i lose it's not like well i need to get better and i didn't know i just if i had fun while i was playing it then that's the whole reason i was playing it i i think that's a perfect mentality to have behind it you're, you're just in it for the good story and you're just yeah. having fun yeah just I, I i strive to make anything i'm involved with as fun as i possibly can say it's a perfect mentality to have i like thank it. you <laughs> uh 21 do you consider golf a sport yeah okay yeah, no question. Uh, 22, have you ever played any sports? Yes, poorly. Um, <laughs> I, in uh, like fifth grade, I played basketball and uh, wrestled and um, boy, basketball. I was so, so bad. And my mom was so excited because <laughs> all my mom ever wanted was to have like an athlete son. And boy, did I disappoint her quickly. Um <laughs> Because, you know, she would go and because you know, I had sisters later on that became very athletic and great at basketball and everything. My mom would go and just freak out. And she finally got to be that sports mom she always wanted to be. Uh, but with me, holy hell, like I was so bad at basketball that like halfway through the season, I'd never scored a point. I'd never done anything of any substance that helped anything. I probably only screwed things up. And my coach just felt bad because it's like, oh, my God, Dan's never scored a single basket. And so every single time. Uh, that there was a foul and he got to pick like who shot the free throws or whatever. He would always send me in to uh, shoot the free throws. Be like, at some point he's going to make one free throw. (laughs) So we can just say he scored a fucking point this season. And uh, I think that first season, I don't think I did at all. I remember eventually I did, but like just, just the dirt worst at basketball. Uh, Absolutely awful, awful. Uh, I started doing soccer practice once in like fourth or fifth grade, and I quit because I had really bad ear infections at the time, and Mm. I had tubes in my ears and all that. And uh, I remember I was in a lot of pain one time, 
it was back when I was at Catholic school and I got bullied a whole lot. And uh, I remember I was sitting on the bench and I was just like, my ear was just like splitting pain before we'd ever played a game. This is like our first practice, I think. Yeah. And uh, just one of the dipshit bullies or whatever sat down next to me and like grabbed my head and went right into my ear and screamed. He goes, I'm screaming in your ear because you have a stupid earache. And I remember just being like, fuck this. And I was just like, <laughs> I never, never went back. Um, so played baseball. I was decent at hitting, terrible at fielding. Um, I was I was pretty good at wrestling, except for when I tried to do it in high school. There was this mentality of uh, the seniors and the juniors had to show like the incoming like freshmen and sophomores, like you know, put them through the you know, got to pay their dues and see how tough you know, got to test how tough they are. And so we were practicing double leg takedowns, and a senior like picked me up, slammed me down, and slammed his shoulder into my like chest, and it tore my pectoral muscle. Oh my god! Right away, so it's like I got injured like right at the beginning of the season and again it was just like man this whole just super like you like you know like i don't know that that mentality like i yeah. just was never that guy and i just didn't like that attitude you know and it's like this isn't my scene i don't think so sports in general i i'm not one of those guys that like makes fun of like oh the sports ball you know like it's mad when people tweet about sports or whatever i understand the appeal of sports i watched plenty of the Chiefs and, and Royals and stuff like that growing up, and I, I get it. I, I get that amazing uh, stories can come out of that, but it was never really my uh, my thing, you know? Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, question 23, we might have kind of gotten an answer, but favorite sport to watch? Um, If I'm going to watch a sport, I would say NFL. Mm. Yeah. It's just made for TV. Like, that's its whole deal yeah and it's got these built-in like little breaks and stuff where it's like like i know there's a lot of commercials but i don't know it's kind of good for just like a lazy sunday just kind of like lounging on the couch and you can just kind of kind of half pay attention when it's getting exciting and i don't know i I, there's like a weird strategy element to it uh i i just like the way like downs and stuff are broke up i I know i'm not talking like a great sports analyst here but like i just like the flow of of a football game you know yeah totally uh question 24 theme parks Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ, yes. Okay. I love them. They're, they're just built for fun. I mean, the first damn thing I did at Giant Bomb was ride on a roller coaster That's five right. times while playing Mario 3. <laughs> it was a thing I'd pitch for years at Game Informer. I finally got to do it. Like, I would do that every week if I could. Mario 3 of all games on a roller coaster. So Hell yeah! Fun. I mean, Mario 3 is, in my opinion, the best Mario. I might be the minority there, but man, it's good. There is an argument that could be made for it, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Not the time or place, but... No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Question 25, dubbed the Ron Bennington, after famous radio personality. Uh, You're standing in a wrestling ring, and a wave of nine-year-olds, a random mix of boys and girls, are coming down to the ring to fight you. How many nine-year-olds can you beat up in this fight? Um, Um... Two and a half. Two and a half. Yeah. So, so is that like the betting line? Like that's it's it's two point five, and it's either over or under that. Uh, no, it's it's two normal size ones and one really weak scrawny one. Mm. One that was like me when I was nine. <laughs> it's just like looking in a mirror. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just fetal position. <laughs> uh, Twenty six. What's a game you know you can win? We're we talking video game. Anything that you consider a game, solitaire, oh. uh, anything. 
you know, I would think um, the easy answer for me, I think, would be Soul Calibur. Ooh, first one? Yeah, 8 on 18 battle random, yeah. <laughs> the classic, this is the run format. Of course, of course, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one. That I'm always amazed at how well that Dreamcast Soul Calibur holds up. Oh. I'm consistently shocked every year that passes, and I'm like, Man, this is still so fun. It looks great. It it plays great still. You know, I'm gonna get the I'm gonna pre-order the Xbox Series X here, and it's like well, the first thing I was trying to think of, like, well, I can play all this stuff on PC, except for hang on, the PC isn't backwards compatible with everything the way the Xbox Series X is. So, is the game I'm most excited to play on this thing Soul Calibur from 1999? <laughs> I think it might be. That is a little bit absurd, but I get it. <laughs> there are other games I'm excited to play, but I did think about Soul Calibur pretty early on with that. Yeah. <laughs> 27, what topic can you discuss the most? Uh, I mean, I think the easy answers are, are video games and wrestling, and honestly, I think it's uh, it's pretty much equal in terms of, like, those were the two things that I threw kind of, like, all my interest into for the most part growing up, and, like, I don't even think one of them has the edge over the other. I, I'd say maybe games because games, I, I worked in the industry for so long. And so mm. I, you know, I'm, I'm still new to working in the wrestling industry. Um, so like I've got just so many experiences from working in games and everything beyond just being a fan. So I think games in general. Yeah. And you've got that kind of insider perspective on some of it. Not to say that you were like, you know, in the room when deals were happening, but you know, you met the big wigs of the gaming industry and all that. It's, it's, uh, I think it gives you a leg up on that. Yeah. And it's like, it's not like I ever developed a game or anything, but like I've been friends with enough people that have made games and, you yeah. know, sat at bars and heard stories and stuff. So like, you know, I've at least heard firsthand accounts of, of that stuff. So. Yeah. Very true. Uh, 28 favorite place you visited. Um, Tokyo is really cool. Mm. Tokyo comes to mind. Um, the first time I visited New York City is up there. Um, oh, then I okay. had the benefit of uh, living there for a few years recently. Uh, Copenhagen was really really fun. If I had to narrow it down to one, I think Tokyo. To and I got to do Tokyo with Tim Turry and Ben Hansen, which is you know, two of my best friends. So, uh, Although, let me throw a monkey wrench in this oh, and go outside of work stuff. Uh, Bianca and I, uh, took just a random little trip to Bolinas, California once, which is a tiny little secret town on the coast mm. of California, um, that is not like a tourist destination or anything. I basically just <clears throat> looked at a map and I was like, I want to find a place that we could like get to from San Francisco, but kind of get out of San Francisco, you know? And we found this little town, Bolinas, and it was just like... It, it, it seemed like a place that shouldn't be possible to exist. It just seemed like this idyllic, weird, tucked away, uh, just it filled with like creative types and everything. It had the ocean right there. It's the small town vibe, but not too small. It was it was crazy. So I would actually probably have to say Bolinas. Wow. So, very out of left field, and I like it. Because <laughs> uh, I think overall of all these episodes, Japan is dominating that question. Anyone who's ever been to Japan is like, it's Japan. It, it's awesome. It really is. Oh, yeah. I wanted to go for so long. Uh, 29. What's your catchphrase? Uh, <laughs> fuck. I think there are a lot of things I say a lot, and it's mostly things that my grandpa said all the time when I was growing up, and my, it kind of got passed on to my dad unconsciously, and then me. Um, boy, my grandpa always said, what the Sam hell? 
I don't know how often I say what the Sam Hell. Uh, he also used to call people up to something all the time. Uh, I think I probably say that on occasion. Uh, uh, I I don't think I ever say this, but I just got through. If we're talking grandpa phrases, he used to say a thing that me and my dad still don't understand. And it's my grandpa would just, if he saw someone acting weird or something, he'd just say, this guy's out in his left tree. <laughs> what the hell does that mean? That's like a mixing of like four different phrases. <laughs> That's that, that that was my grandpa. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I, I bet if you asked uh, fans uh, or people who've seen my stuff over the years, they would probably have some. But I can't think of one that comes to mind immediately that I would call a catchphrase. Okay, that's fair. You pull the string on the back of the Dan Riker doll, and it it says that guy's up a left tree. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bunch of like, like holy lord, or things like that. But I think I just say because unconsciously I've watched so much Norm Macdonald, and that sounds like something Norm Macdonald would say. So I don't know if I have anything of my own. I think I'm just a weird amalgamation of Norm (laughs) and my grandpa. It's a weird mix. What a weird Dragon Ball fusion that is. (laughs) Oh boy. Uh, Thirty. What's the best costume or cosplay that you've ever worn? I've never done cosplay. Um, mm-hmm. Best cos- Well, I guess I've dressed up as Waluigi before, if you want to call that cosplay. Oh, that's, yeah. Um, you know, I got to do a, a show once in California. I was a commentator for a Hood Slam show, and I got to dress up in full-on Waluigi that I <laughs> bought, like this full like denim overalls and the hat and all that stuff. And I got to have a beer bash in the ring at the end, like a, a Stone Cold-style beer bash. And I remember that moment feeling like things are going the way I want them to in my life. <laughs> when I'm being paid to stand in a wrestling ring dressed as Waluigi, just slamming beers and throwing them out to the audience. Like, that was that was fun. Just, yeah. Yeah. I could uh, <laughs> I could imagine. Uh... <laughs> there, there's video of that. You can look up Hood Slam 80s for the ladies and go to the end. I think that's the, I think that's the uh, beer bash. That sounds like the name of an indie wrestling show. Yeah, that checks Definitely out. Definitely was. And, and, and joining me in the ring was uh, Brosif Joe Brody, who was dressed as Axl Rose. So, yes, it was me having a beer bash with, oh, I'm sorry, Axl Bros at the time. Ah, uh, yeah, things were, that was, <laughs> things were going all right. <laughs> What a, what a strange life you've led here, Dan. I, I, no complaints. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's see. 31. Have you ever had anything named after you? Mm. I don't think named after me, but a local deli when I worked at Game Informer allowed me to name a bunch of their sandwiches. And mm-hmm. I named my favorite uh, sandwich i was able to name the waluigi so if you looked up at their board i think they're out of business now probably because of this but uh it was like the waluigi and the nature boy and you know like <laughs> i i named several of the sandwiches and the waluigi was my favorite that's a good one that's a good one uh 32 the hobby you've dedicated the most time to no games yeah it's kind of a home run there yeah not uh, close. <laughs> 33 who's a celebrity you've had a crush on uh first one comes to mind uh famke jansen oh golden golden eye yeah 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 that was that was the the first one i definitely remember i'll give that a hubba and a second hubba whoa fact. now <laughs> it's not let's not get this podcast rated mature yeah Come seriously jeez <laughs> uh 34 what's this is what a question what's the strangest job you've had (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's good uh boy um 
can I say anything post 2009? <laughs> Pretty much all of them. Yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'm checking with the judges. Judges, we're gonna I, allow it. Gonna I would say it. I would say Giant Bomb was weirder than Game Informer because they let me get away with more. So I got to like lean into the weird more Giant mm. Bomb. So I'd say that has the edge. And then, boy, I don't talk about my day job often, but man, you want to talk about. Some surreal stuff as someone who grew up watching wrestling and the, the stuff I'm doing now is uh, it's uh, several times. It's very frequent, even in pandemic times. And I'm just like, wow, this is weird, right? Yeah, OK, this is weird <laughs> in a good way, in a good way. It's, oh. uh, you know, I'm at, I'm at the point now where it's just like I, I was just thinking the other day, it's like most of my like idols in terms of like celebrities and the, the guys that I, I grew up uh, being so just entertained by or influenced by and stuff like that. I feel like I've met or interviewed or worked with damn near all of them, both in like games and wrestling. And uh, again, like Conan, I, I went backstage at Conan. I got to talk to him on the set of his show. Oh, wow. And, and yeah, like it was uh, it, the only one, the, the only one is, is Letterman. And I live like 40 minutes from Letterman and I don't, he's, you know, famously reclusive and grumpy, although not as much these days. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but I feel like he's the, like Norm. I've met like five times and talked to a bunch and, you know, it's like, I I feel like I've checked off pretty much all of them, you know, like Andy McNamara. He was, you know, when I was nine years old reading Game Informer, he was like an idol of mine and I wow. worked with the guy, you know, like for years and years and years and consider him a good friend. So yeah, I feel like I've checked off pretty much all of them except for Letterman at this point. For Letterman these days, just hang around a local beard care shop. And <laughs> he can't be too far off. That's true, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll drive up north a bit and hang out near his farm at the beard stores. <laughs> Is it, uh, yeah, if there's a beard shop next to a cue card factory, yes. he's got to be close. <laughs> yes, and in the factory that makes blue index cards. <laughs> and he's pencils. always slinging them. He's yeah. got to have a stockpile of them. Absolutely. <laughs> uh 30 i don't know where we are anymore 35 uh what's a book you'd recommend the world to read well outside of my own books um (laughs) no um recommend the world to read um i hmm i would say 10 percent happier by dan harris but that was uh that's one that kind of very specifically kind of spoke to me because his experience with anxiety and everything was very relatable to me. Mm. Uh, long story short, he was a, a good morning America anchor, had a panic attack on the air. I want to say like 2004. And that kind of led him down a path of trying to figure out, learning about anxiety disorders and, and meditation stuff. And he was definitely a huge skeptic as far as like meditation stuff. And he's, he's so far from like a new agey guru type, which, you know, I always kind of like side-eyed that stuff yeah. uh so like to see that just like oh this is just like a, a normal dude news anchor that struggled with anxiety and was trying to figure out ways to to get better and found meditation and became a huge like that's kind of his thing now is he started this whole company based on meditation and um i'd say that was very relatable to me in general uh, I, i'm really big on meditation so i guess if i had to recommend one i would say uh wherever you go there you are by uh, john cabot zinn i think that's a very uh very approachable to anyone interested in meditation and kind of learning how to do it and what the benefits are. I'd say that's probably the first one uh, I would go to. Phenomenal. I love it. Uh, 36. What's a movie that always makes you laugh? MacGruber. Yeah. Yeah. I always try to convince people that it's so good. 
It's, no one believes me. It's, it's phenomenal. It's such a polarizing thing where people either think it's the dumbest, lowest brow thing they've ever seen, <laughs> or it's the most genius work of comedy they've ever seen. And like, there's very little in between. And I feel like the people who don't get it or just think it's stupid, they just kind of see the broad stuff where it's like, oh yeah, hilarious. He puts celery in his butt. And it's like, yeah, that is hilarious. But <clears throat> when I think of the things that I love about McGruber, it's all the tiny little interactions and weird things and just all these little windows into McGruber just being a genuine psychopath. Yeah. Like, you know, like that's the stuff that, that cracks me up. It's, it's, and I feel like I've probably seen that movie 50 times now. And every time I watch it, <clears throat> there's just a way he reacts to something or deals with the situation that just cracks me up in a way that I, I never noticed before. Uh, it's, it's cliche to say that there's just like layers to it or it's deeper and it's, but it's a incredibly well-crafted comedy. It, it really is. Plus, just on the slapstick level, that graveyard sex scene is the funniest thing that's been put to print. It's it's the hardest I've ever laughed while watching something. I'm I really think it is. And I've said this a million times before, but I was I saw it opening night, midnight screening with my then girlfriend, and I was laughing so hard during the graveyard scene and like crying that she looked at me just like blank face and she's like, Are you fucking with me right now? Like, are you She's like, is this a prank or something? And I was like, no, this is the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. It's amazing. Because the first sex scene is so goddamn hilarious. Yep. And then for them to, um, like, the second the music starts the second time, and you realize he's going to fuck this ghost. It's yep. just like, oh, my God, this is the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. And Maya Rudolph's indifference toward the whole yeah. thing. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> it's, it's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I was, there was a podcast where I think they talked to Will Forte about the sex scenes and, I, and there's little, even little touches in that where it's like Kristen Wiig she's she's losing her virginity in that scene and so oh, and, yeah. and, Magru- and McGruber is like acting like so wild and just making these awful sounds and so she's Kristen Wiig plays it kind of like bewildered just like oh I guess this is what it's like like he's, <laughs> he's I guess maybe this is normal like she doesn't really know how to react in the sex scene whereas like Maya Rudolph she was married to him or, or was going to get married to him yeah. and uh, so she's seen this a million times and so she's just kind of like half-assed doing the thing to make mcgruber feel good it's like wow 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 and so you feel like she's just kind of placating him it's just like there's like levels to the fucking ghost sex scene (laughs) (laughs) a sentence i did not expect to hear today oh amazing um uh now i'm looking through these questions where was this 37 here we go what's the worst movie you've ever seen Oh boy! Um, worst. I mean, that's hard to say because like there's so many movies that I watch and stuff just because yeah. they're terrible. Um, you know, so like Birdemic and uh, um, oh, I'll I'll say it here. Okay, since I, this isn't as widely known as like a Birdemic or anything, Love on a Leash. Um, I believe the whole movie is on YouTube. Uh, oh. It's also when we watched it, it was on Amazon Prime, but I think it's also on YouTube. So look up Love on a Leash. It is bafflingly terrible it is um long story short it's about a golden retriever that uh runs off to a a magic pond in the park while he's out there with his owner it's like set in la i think and he a magic pond talks to him and says that uh it'll turn him into a real man if he finds love or something it's very confusing basically like this dog that turns into a man and has to like fall in love with a human lady and then like i don't know if he can turn back into a dog or how this works i don't know the pond magic and the rules of it but like it's dubbed terribly there are just huge moments of the movie where like the sound just completely drops out where we were like did the sound bar turn off and it's like nope there's just no sound here nothing nothing ambient it's 
just watch even like the first five minutes of Love on a Leash and you'll see what I'm talking about. I'm very interested in this. This is <laughs> this is going to be on my queue right underneath uh, Guns N' Roses. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh, report back to me, please. I cannot wait. Um, 38. Who's your favorite actor or actress? Mm, I've always liked the work of Gary Oldman. I have found um, he has such a wide range of characters he can play, and he really just dives so headfirst into all of it. Um, by the way, have you seen the trailer for Tiptoes, starring Gary Oldman and Matthew McConaughey and Kate Beckinsale? Certainly have. Okay, that, that's the type <laughs> of thing I'm talking about. Like, no matter the role, and if, if you know Tiptoes, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. He approaches every role with the same level of seriousness and care and uh, devotion. And no, I've, I've just always uh, respected his work. Like, especially like there's a time in, like the early 2000s where it's like he's playing like, OK, he's the bad guy in the fifth element doing this this role. And then he's Hannibal. He's totally unrecognizable. And or no, yeah. he's the, the bad guy in Hannibal. Uh, that's not Hannibal. Um <laughs> Yeah, he's just, the range is amazing. Or he can just kind of do a straight face, like, you know, uh, Commissioner Gordon thing. You know, he's yeah. just so, so reliable and talented. Oh, Dracula, he's awesome. I was going to say, Bram Stoker's Dracula, he's so good, because he just gives, like, 120% through that whole movie. He, to both versions of him, like the younger one and then, like, creepy old one. Like, yeah, he yeah. kicks ass in that. Yeah, so I, I would go with Gary Oldman, probably. It's a great choice. Uh, question 39. How cool was it in Jurassic Park when the raptors were running through the kitchen? Oh, it's super cool. Super cool. Yeah, super cool. That's the only reason I have that question in there. So I'm reminded every yeah. couple of weeks how cool that scene is. I, I was reminded in so many scenes of Last of Us Part Two when I'm like crouched down, hiding behind like waist high things, and things are kind of stalking around. <laughs> like this is like the Raptor thing. Uh, question forty: What's the first show as a kid you got really into? Mm, Ren and Stimpy. Ooh, good although, although I might have already been really into Simpsons. You know, I was, I probably got really into Simpsons around season three or four, which would have been like early nineties. So probably around the same time, but Ren and Stimpy is the first one. I remember being like, this is amazing. (laughs) I like it. Uh, 41. Who should play you in a movie of your life? Gary Oldman. (laughs) And he would nail it somehow. He would be, he would do perfect. Yeah. Get some prosthetics or whatever the fuck the movie people have to do. He'll, he'll do fine. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to see Gary Oldman playing me doing like a Twitch stream or something, <laughs> like slamming White Claws and farting. <laughs> Gary Oldman reading over his script. It's pronounced Overblood? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yes. yeah, yeah, don't worry. Okay. <laughs> uh, 42. Uh, who's the biggest celebrity you've ever met in person? Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. Uh, on a global scale, I would have to say Mike Tyson is probably one of the more That's huge. I mean, yeah. he's known uh, extremely globally, you know, like, oh, you know what? Earlier when I was talking about, I, I, most of the people I've been entertained by my idols and all that, I've never met Stallone or Schwarzenegger. Um, so I would say put them on the list with Letterman of guys that like, I would love to meet sometime, but I don't know if I ever will. Mm. Um, so I would have to say in terms of like global recognition, boy, everyone knows who Mike Tyson is, right? Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I've met Conan and, and stuff like that, but and Conan's a huge, huge celebrity, uh, but I don't think globally he's known as much as, like, Tyson, you know? Yeah, Tyson, and especially for decades now, Tyson has been, like, a force. Even when yeah. he's not competing, he's just, like, people yeah. still compare him to Mike Tyson. Yeah. Uh, that's Yeah, that's an excellent one. 
uh let's see 43 tv show or podcast that you love but you don't think anyone else knows about um i'll say lately we just covered for uh painting the stream which a uh, quick plug it's a podcast me and my wife do about uh streaming videos and stuff or netflix hulu all that shit um search party we found uh we got hbo max oh and there's uh, sh- yes 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 <laughs> yeah it is killer it is um I don't want to say too much about it because it really goes some places over the three seasons, but it's basically based around like three or four millennials, like these friends uh, that are, it, it's, it's almost kind of a satire of like, you know, the way people view millennials and stuff. But I feel like that's doing it a disservice. There's, it's way more like the characters are more complex than just like satirical uh, representations or anything, but they basically have a friend from college that goes missing. And, um, Alia Shawkat like takes it upon herself. To, like, this is my thing in life. I need to find this missing, uh, classmate. And it really goes in some crazy directions, but it is, it works incredibly well as a thriller. Uh, and it Ooh. also is a show that more than any other show in years, every episode made me laugh out loud. Uh, absolutely loved it. We binged it all three seasons in like less than a week, I think, which I can't remember the last time I did that. Uh, so search party on HBO max. Great stuff. Wow. Very good. Very high recommendations there. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, 44 favorite comedian. Norm. Yeah. It's not even close. He's really good. Yeah. Uh, 45 best Saturday night live cast member. Oh, okay. Based on their work on Saturday Night Live, I assume, right? Uh, we can go either direction, but I'm going to say yes. <clears throat> it's hard to not say Phil Hartman. Yeah. I, I've i heard a lot of answers to this, and I think that's kind of where my heart goes, too. I mean, there are uh, other ones where it's like, you know, Farley was such a force of nature. Will Ferrell had so many different sketches and characters and stuff that worked great. But ultimately, Hartman, just no matter what the role was, if he was front and center like a caveman lawyer or if he was just the dad <laughs> in a Matt Foley sketch or something, he uh, he was perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Did you ever see that weird sketch? It was him sitting at a diner with Jan Hooks as the waitress. It's one of the most bizarre sketches. It's like eight and a half minutes and it just doesn't go anywhere, but it's just hilarious. Like it's just these simple everyday interactions between a waitress and diner staff. I don't know what it is, but it it, it slays me every time. I don't, I don't even know what it's called. I don't know how to uh, something Jan hooks, Phil Hartman, diner SNL sketch. It's, it's, it's wonderful. It feels like a short film more than anything else. You know, I must have seen it at some point because like, I feel like I've seen damn near every SNL since yeah. I was a kid. But like, that's not ringing a bell. The one thing that comes to mind right away is, you know, he never broke really. You know, he never mm. he, he which you know, like David Spade or Fallon or whoever would break constantly. But uh, the one time I remember Hartman breaking was during a Frankenstein sketch, and he just loses it, oh, and it's yeah. just it's hilarious. Uh, just seeing him, who's usually just such a, you know, he, he's the glue of that show. To see him break is is amazing him doing like fire bad while yes. laughing yes, yes exactly. i remember that yes. <laughs> very vividly <laughs> uh all right 46 what's the nerdiest thing you've ever done <laughs> um <laughs> jesus <laughs> fuck um okay well i feel like most of the stuff i've done in like my gaming career can at least be um, softened by the fact that I was doing it for my career and I had a reason to be doing it. Mm. So I feel like it's nerdier when I was doing stuff as a kid. 
Um, and it was just for me. And I would say it was the time probably, let's say it's 93. So I was probably like nine years old where, uh, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't go out too much. Well, I guess no one really goes out on the weekends when they're nine, but, um, <laughs> you know, like, hit up the bar, you know, yeah, you know partying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, me and my girlfriend at the time. No, uh, was, I just made, I, I made a spin wheel thing. I've always loved like spinning, like the, you know, the big wheel on Price is Right or any kind of spinning game show wheel type thing. And I, I made one somehow mm-hmm. that was had 24 triangles on it, and each section had a different game on it. So I basically looked through my – I had NES and Genesis at the time. I had Super Nintendo at my dad's place, but this I only had NES and Genesis. And I put 24 different games on it, and every hour on the hour for 24 hours, I would spin it. <laughs> And I'd be like, all right, I'm playing NBA Jam for an hour. And I'd play an hour of NBA Jam. Spin it. All right, I'm playing Earthworm Jim. Okay, Boogerman for an hour. And I did that for 24 hours just because I wanted to. Nobody was there. I wasn't, like, having a sleepover. It was just me wanting to do 24 hours of, of playing games. Wow. Yeah, I think that classifies. <laughs> yeah, that counts. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, 47, least favorite state. Missouri. Hmm. Is this coming from your Kansas uh, origins? Yeah, and it's not even the, like, a lot of people in Kansas would say that because of, like, college basketball rivalry. Zero percent of it is that. I don't give a shit about college sports. Never did. Never did when I was there. Um, I just never had great experiences in Missouri. I mean, like, downtown is fine, and it's gotten a lot better. Like, KCMO is, you know, I've had good times there. But, like, the state of Missouri is uh, not a place I like being in. Gotcha. Fair enough. Uh, 28, what's the best thing you've ever won? Talk about wedding. <laughs> I'm going to just move on because I like to think that <laughs> someone's listening to this not knowing what you're talking about, and I'm just not going to acknowledge it. I mean, the, the SEO yeah. on that phrase will bring you to what happens, so <laughs> just look up those three words. It's uh, far too true, yes. <laughs> uh, is there anything you've collected or had a collection of? Uh, yeah, uh, when I was a kid, X-Men cards, uh, Pogs, oh. um, I used to do the state quarters, um, nowadays I don't think I have a, sp- well, Amiibos, I, I guess I have an Amiibo collection oh, now, yeah. um, yeah, I, not like a dedicated collection thing that I would say these days, no. Okay. I, I'll say when I when I go to a new city for the first time, I buy a fridge magnet. So my fridge is like covered in magnets of places I've been for work and vacation and stuff. Oh, nice. See, I do yeah. the same thing, but with uh, shot glasses. That's always I, you know, my, my thing. I, I used to do that, and I, I that that was my thing for a long time with shot glasses because that's what my stepdad did, and I always thought that was a fun thing to display. But it, it kind of takes up more space, and like the fridge magnet, it's like, well, it's going on the fridge. It's you don't have to have dedicated space for this, so I switched to that. Yeah, you know what? You got a point because I have like two shelves filled with shot glasses, and I, I don't know right. what the heck I'm going to do with this when I move. So exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, question fifty, dubbed the Ryan Davis. You might be familiar with this. You're in a fight to the death with another ah. person equal to your size. Yeah. You're offered either an aluminum baseball bat mm-hmm. or a six-inch non-serrated knife, knowing the other weapon you don't choose goes to your opponent. Which do you pick, knife or bat? Um, now, this this uh, conversation was from before my time at Giant Bomb, but obviously I, I've heard it many times um, mm-hmm. after joining uh, the, the crew. I always thought bat. I thought I'd go with bat because um, you could really just like get a good swing to it, knock someone out, break something, uh, or knock the knife out of a hand, break someone's wrist so they can't use the knife. Um, but I think I was talking to somebody like off cam, off mic about this, I feel like months ago or years ago or something, and they brought up some stuff about knives where it's like you just get them, get them once 
even even in some places, like you don't even have to hit like an organ or something. You know, mm-hmm. you just get a good slice where they're kind of bleeding, and like that's going to mess you up. You know, that's going to inhibit your ability to fight. Um, so I think I would like the security of of the range of the bat, but ultimately, I think the knife might be more effective. I I gotta agree <clears> with you. I've been uh, I've been rallying behind Team Knife for years now. It's it's tough to find people on that side of things, but uh, I gotta agree. I think I understand now. Yeah. everything's so much clearer now yes phew we are halfway through this thing so everyone take a quick water break it's good to hydrate rest up, blink your eyes stretch your ears do what you gotta do Uh, and while you do that let me just shout out the people who do the music for this here show Uh, the song you're hearing right now is from the Mini Vandals. The next song you're going to hear is from DJ Williams. The opening song is from Diala, And the closing one is from Single Friend. That's all royalty-free. So if you like what you hear, give them some clicks. I'm sure they would appreciate it. And you know what I would appreciate? If you want to rate and review this show. It goes a long way. Just take a couple minutes. It would be really nice. But, uh... Hopefully you're all hydrated and stretched. Let's get uh, get back into the show. So, Dan, you have had... As we've uh, mentioned uh, slightly in this episode already, you've had quite a career and life in general. Um, I, I've heard you described as, and I truly mean this in the nicest of ways, the Forrest Gump mm-hmm. of the internet. I knew that was coming, yeah. <laughs> because, because you just seem to be, you have to, you seem to have your hand in a lot of different events and videos <laughs> and things around the world. Um, yeah. And just just real quick, I have a very short list here. <laughs> oh God! So so obviously wrote for Game Informer. <laughs> yep. Uh, Giant Bomb doing video game content. Mm-hmm. Um, taught us about George Brett's crab leg obsession. Mm, oh, he taught us. That's my favorite video. Yep. yep. Um, married in a Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. Uh, a manager for indie wrestling. Yes. Uh, was in L.A. Noir. <laughs> Correct. Um, wrote a book, two books about a uh, secret agent alligator. That's correct. I had a public feud with Jose Canseco. Mm-hmm. Uh, holds Gu- uh, Guinness World Records. Yep. And uh, beat up Joe Juba on a basketball court. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, these all, are all true statements. Okay. <laughs> how, <laughs> looking back on all of this, how how do you feel about that moniker that you're like? put up as some sort of like urban legend of the internet that that kind of has his hands and all this sort of thing do you see it that way or do you see it as just like this is just this is just my life it just so happens to have a camera on it i mean it's not something that i like actively think like oh what's the next stunt what's the next thing that's gonna you know get me some you know followers or attention or anything like that. It's, that's not really how i think mm. i just kind of do my thing. And I think my thing has always been pretty weird and different. And, and that predates any public facing stuff. You know, I was, it's not like I became this once like a camera went on me. Like I was doing weird bullshit my entire life. You talk to anyone that like went to school with me or whatever. I was just, uh, I was always had stories, always getting into like weird events and things like that. So, um, yeah, I think, I think that's fair. And 
it, it always just kind of it's entertaining to me uh, whenever one of these weird things happens. And some of it is is not even like you know something I specifically went for or did. Like I think I heard what was it like a year or two ago? I think there's a story on Kotaku about how like it was like a violent games thing was screened at the White House or something, oh, and they right. showed like was... <laughs> and they showed clips of me playing Fallout Four, and it's like you can see like in the footage from like the White House, my name because my character was named like Dan Reichert or something at the bottom you see my name and it's like why are they watching me play fallout at the white house you know like yeah so the, the forrest gump thing uh yeah i, I get that i, I totally understand <laughs> that and it amuses me and, and, and trust me every time some new weird thing like this happens uh i am amused and uh happy about it I, but again it's not like it's it's not this like marketing plan where it's like well okay so qu- quarter three twenty twenty I'm gonna fart into a megaphone and it's gonna broadcast across every tornado siren system in America like I don't know mm-hmm. like if that happens great but like it's not like a plan really so it, uh, I I I think it's even better that it's not planned because otherwise it would seem like you're like a Homer Simpson type character (laughs) but the fact that it just happens naturally is is just even better well and and I don't want to make it sound like it happens by accident like none of this stuff does you know but it's just not like calculated it's like Mm. You know, somebody tweeted me uh, years ago that like, oh, hey, look at this contest Taco Bell's doing. And so my instinct is like, well, OK, let's make a video. Let's try to win this thing. You know, so it's like, you know, I, I didn't that the video video didn't happen by accident. We made that. We wanted to win that thing. But it's just a thing that just like, oh, if that person hadn't tweeted that to me, uh, that wouldn't have happened. You know, so, yeah, it, yeah it's 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 weird. But I uh, I'm constantly amused by it. I, I love it. Uh, but we have questions. Uh, question 51. What's your phone? Po- What's your phone wallpaper right now? Uh, it's my dog, uh, Gizmo. Oh. Uh, it's an, it's a picture from when he was a little puppy. Uh, he is like 10 months, nine months old now. Uh, it's a picture from when he was like two months old. So that's adorable. Yeah, he's great. Uh, 52. What's the last thing you Googled? Um, or binged. I don't want to be brand specific. <laughs> uh, look, I'm not a maniac. I don't use Bing. <laughs> Um. Ah, I'll, I'll tell you what it was. I just put together a little image that I shared with. Uh, I, I've got a, a kind of a text group I have with some ex Game Informer friends. Uh, you, you know, Ben Hansen being one of them, and uh, I just thought mm-hmm. it'd be fun to like. I just went to a random like staff page in the Wayback Machine of Game Informer from 2012. And uh, I took all the images, I kind of threw them into Photoshop. And so I was just kind of Googling where people were at now, because I thought it was so interesting that like this class of like, you know, games, media people that kind of were all working together all this time ago. It's like, okay, well, you know, Tim's at PlayStation and Nets at Microsoft, you know, Megan's at Crystal Dynamics, you know, Andy McNamara is now at EA, you know, I'm at WWE, like Hanson's doing MinMax, you know. So I basically just took logos of where everyone's at and threw it all over like, you know, like 21 different uh, staff members from 21 or from 2012 and uh so yeah i was just kind of googling where people are at now that's super cool yeah it's like yeah, it's the fun. it's like the ending of an 80s movie where it's like the little yes. subtitle it's like the, the sandlot or something yeah yeah <laughs> uh 53 you have to name your next pet without seeing them what do you name them johnny utah that's dang it that's a good answer <laughs> very good <laughs> utah too uh yeah. 54 what professional wrestler would you compare yourself to um, 
Well, I would think, uh, you know, professional wrestlers, uh, you know, playing, you know, loud, uh, over-the-top characters and stuff like that. I feel like I, I tried to bring some uh, some pro wrestling mentality into my time uh, on camera at Giant Bomb and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so if, if I had to kind of compare the on-camera persona, uh, I, I would say flair, maybe, in that I was always... Not so much the the limousine riding, jet flying, Castilian type stuff, but more in the like just cowardly heel that would win by any means necessary. You know what I mean? Like yeah. not afraid to distract the ref and hit someone in the balls. You know, like <laughs> I feel like that that side of Ric Flair was was kind of what I was doing uh, on cam. A devastating thumb to the eye of the audience. Oh, get uh, right in there, yeah. Oh, break the back, yeah. <laughs> break the back. <laughs> a move we haven't seen in possibly 30 years oh, I love point. it I love uh, it it's amazing <laughs> uh, what's your comfort food on a bad day uh, again cliche obvious answer but Taco Bell it's a good one reminds you of wedding bells you know of course <laughs> uh, how could it not <laughs> uh, 56 favorite smell um, in the fall leaves burning is real good um uh, other than that, I had a pog slammer uh, in the early 90s that uh, the underside was like rubbery and it had this weird smell that I can still picture, but I can't place. So I, I have not been able to smell the smell since uh, probably 1993. Wow. Yeah. What a white whale you're hunting after. There. It was like a weird chemical or something. And it had this kind of like fruity-ish smell that was just like, I just remember sitting around just smelling this pog. What? Wow. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Yeah, thing is scratch and sniff maybe because that was all no. rage. But no, was... It, it was just a rubber chemical thing that like wow. yeah, it was a big heavy slammer. It had two like divots for your fingers for when you yeah. went through it. And so yeah, that was the part. It was like the rubber part you put your fingers on was pink, and it just had the smell. I was like, oh, that smells great. Wow, fascinating. Uh, <laughs> Fifty-seven best candy. Uh, Starburst. Mm, I will ask one follow-up. What color? Red. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, <laughs> 58 worst candy. Uh, um, Three Musketeers. Really? Not a Three Musketeers? Oh. Milky Way and Three Musketeers. It's just there's too much nothing going on there. Like, I love a good Snickers or Butterfinger or Twix or Take Five where it feels like there, there's some Take substance five. and there's some yeah. crunch and there's some variety in there. Like a Milky Way or a Three Musketeers, I feel like I bite into it and I'm just like, something's missing. Like, they forgot <laughs> to put something in at the factory. <laughs> okay i i see where you're coming from there it is it's a little too one texture i, I yeah, totally it, get that it's like the opposite of like a payday or baby ruth where it's like all texture and it's like oh this is just peanuts yeah <laughs> like, which i like i like that more than the alternative but yeah. i like it uh 59 what's a restaurant you would recommend kc joe's it is the best barbecue in the world it is my favorite restaurant and in fact uh, a couple times a year for my birthday and christmas that is what my dad always gets me because they actually ship i've never been paid a cent by kc joe's but i put them (laughs) over constantly on podcasts and streams and stuff like that get some burn-ins from kc joe's uh used to be called oklahoma joe's um it's a it started in a gas station it was a it was a barbecue restaurant and a gas station the original one is still in that gas station in kansas city but they have more locations now that are standalone restaurants burn-ins are incredible the z-man is incredible like the line goes around the gas station every day for people trying to get in um wow 
they uh, there was a Anthony Bourdain did a thing where it's like the ten places you must eat before you die. It mm-hmm. was on there. So like this is not somewhere like look. I understand if people don't trust my culinary opinions, <laughs> but uh, let's just say it's not just me. So and and I've convinced a lot of people like in my Twitch streams and stuff like that to uh, get some delivered to them if they're not near Kansas City. And a lot of people if they're yeah. driving through Kansas City will reach out to me on, on Twitter or whatever and ask. And I always say Casey Joe's. Got a location in Leewood, Olathe. They got the gas station in Kansas City, uh, or you can get it online. Just tremendous! Wow, I I love it. It actually has my mouth watering for barbecue right now because I haven't had yeah. lunch yet. Uh, Sixty. What is a food you've never eaten? Christ. Um, well, there there were. If you asked me this five six years ago, it'd be a lot more. But uh, nowadays, I've checked off most of them. I've only had mustard once, but I have had that. Um, sauerkraut. Let's say sauerkraut. Ooh, no. or relish. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't tried either of those. Really interesting. It just seemed gross and weird and confusing. <laughs> confusing. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what's going on there. I don't want to know. All right. All right. Uh, sixty-one. What's the strangest food that you have eaten? Um, octopus or actually, when I was in Tokyo uh, with Tim Turry, and we were on the infamous Vita boat, which some of you may or may not have heard of that, they had us sit on the floor on this boat, and they brought out like when I was in Japan, I was just like, hey, I know I'm a weird guy with food, but while I'm here, I want the full experience of being here, so I'm going to eat anything that is presented to me with no reservations. Ooh. And so, like, they were bringing out these like very fancy, weird. Uh, it's just like, oh, this looks like a rectangle of jello with a full fish inside of it. It's like, okay, I guess I just bite this. Um, so yeah, just a bunch of weird sushi stuff where it's like, well, I can just see this whole fish while I bite this. It was weird. Yeah. Uh, 62. What's a typical day off? Uh, I'm someone who always finds like, I don't, I don't know if I've ever been bored uh in my definitely not in my in the last 10 years or so um so a typical day off like let's say it's just a saturday and i don't have anything planned usually looking up like looking into like what games are out there looking into something to stream trying to get like a big plan together for a next like kind of big event weird stream like there's a whole lot of like pre-production type stuff i have to do for my more elaborate streams and setting up all these sound effects and you know i've, I've done some stuff that i kind of made like little game shows and stuff out of streams and so just doing a, a lot of thoughts about stuff like that i'm rarely just kind of like sitting around I'm, I'm always actively you know i've got a full-time job yeah. i uh have done a weekly podcast i think we're like 130 episodes every week uh of painting the stream i i stream very regularly on twitch uh i've written several books you know so it's like when i think about like my time off I'm instantly working on another project, basically. So uh, I guess that's the answer is like working on the next project, whether that's the next stream or the next. uh, Yeah, I'm never just kind of sitting around. I like it. I like it. Uh, 63. What's a bucket list item that you have accomplished? Hmm. Uh, I would say. I would say uh, I ran a half marathon that I didn't think I was going to be able to, wow. but I don't know if I'd call that bucket list. Honestly, I'd say more uh, hanging out and, and talking with Conan for a bit um, after him being such an influence on my, my upbringing, um, not just from late night, but, you know, Simpsons and SNL and everything. Um, yeah. So, yeah, getting to just sit there and talk to him. And, I, you know, I got to kind of talk about growing up, uh, watching the old shows and stuff. And talked about ZZ Top for a bit. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like uh, it was just it was really fun uh, just 
it was one of those surreal things because like I was in the green room for a bit, but when I talked to him, we were out like on the set. So it was weird because it's like this is a set I've seen on TV a million times. Now I'm just here talking to Conan O'Brien on it. Like that was a <laughs> that that was that's a highlight for that's sure. Huge, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, another one is like you know back. Obviously, I get to work with around wrestling all the time now, but first time I interviewed Stone Cold. Um, Cause it's like, man, Stone Cold's like my favorite ever. And you know, it, I got to interview him several times while I was a game informer. And just every time it's like, man, this guy is just awesome to talk to. And it's one of those surreal things where I wasn't quite used to early in my career, like meeting and talking to face to face, like, you know, kind of my idols and stuff like that. Yeah. And so like Stone Cold and like Miyamoto were a couple of those, you know, same guy, Stone Cold Steve Austin <laughs> and Shigeru Miyamoto. Uh, and Kojima, you know, like I'd say the first times I got to like, talk to all of them and i've interviewed all of them i got to talk to all of them and like all of those times were very like wow this is the type of thing that if i could time machine back to you know when i was 13 14 just be like hey whatever you're doing just keep doing that <laughs> go down this road please yes yes uh 64 what's a bucket list item you probably won't accomplish uh i gotta go back to what i said earlier about letterman you know mm. despite the fact that i've lived 40 minutes from the guy and i've managed to like basically talk to every other one of my idols. Uh, I don't know how to make that work with Letterman, but you've given me a great idea with the beard store. So uh, saying. <laughs> maybe we can make, Hey, if anyone's got any connections to Letterman listening to this, <laughs> I don't know. There's some dork that's uh, 40 minutes south of him that uh, wants to talk. I mean, Paul Schaefer loves the show. So he's going to, he'll, he'll send you a link. <laughs> I tried once. I tried the first time I went to New York, it was 2010. And I went to a Letterman taping at the Ed Sullivan theater. And, mm -hmm. you know, I always just do the long shot, you know, that's how I'm not going to go into my whole career story, but like, that's how I wound up a game informer. That's how I wound up with so many different things is just taking long shots. And that's how I got George Clinton to star in a short film of mine when I was a teenager, you know, it's like that type oh, of stuff. Wow. Um, so I figured like, what do I have to lose? And so when I was in the standby line at Letterman, I found people to talk to, like I, I talked to a PA. It's like, okay, can you have me talk to, you know, a, a, some producer or something? I was basically explaining, I don't remember what excuse I used as to why I would like to meet Dave, but I tried to talk to him and they were basically telling me like, that's probably not going to happen. And then I was like, okay, well I would love to meet Paul. That'd be awesome. And I remember them saying that Paul might be possible. I should stop by after the show and see if he left early or not. And uh didn't wind up doing that either, but yeah, I always like taking the long shots and at least doing what I can to make it happen. But uh, the Letterman one just seems he, he's not completely removed from public life anymore, but he was never the, meet and greet pal around with the fans type guy you know yeah no i don't think he's going to be showing up to any uh like comic cons nah, <laughs> not so much that's not his deal no 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 he doesn't he doesn't need that <laughs> <laughs> call everyone a bunch of dweebs and just <laughs> tap a <laughs> pen on the table yeah 100 <laughs> <Yes>. percent. <laughs> uh 65 uh, dubbed by previous guests the realist question of the bunch oh god the name of a friend you don't keep in contact with but regret it Wow. Mm -hmm. Oh boy. Um, there were a bunch of friends when I was back in college that I was pretty inseparable with. They were kind of like my friends that got me more comfortable with like going out to the bars and just being more social and mm. joking around, like, you know, cause I was never a social guy in high school and all of a sudden I go to college and I meet all these friends and, you know, uh, I was forced to be social and, and they really liked being around me and vice versa. And uh, so I'd say kind of the main one there was Ben uh, was his name. And, but you know, uh, he invited me to his wedding uh, two or three years ago. So I went back to Lawrence, Kansas for that and everything. Oh. And uh, so it's not like it's like completely, uh, it's just, we don't, 
it's it's funny because he was in college he was very much the like never getting married never having kids i'm just gonna be <laughs> wild my whole life or whatever and now he is uh married to a girl he met that year and they have three kids together and run a daycare out of their house wow. so yeah it was uh funny the directions life takes you you know holy cow yeah <laughs> so i would say ben he's great Nice. If, uh, if you look up the, uh, if you look up on YouTube, it's like six news story about Dan Reichert. It's on my YouTube. Uh, I, I found the old like clip of they were, they did a clip about my uh, sketch show Foghat Live that I did in college, and so they like came to the dorms and they interviewed me and they interviewed Ben. So he's on there, and it's funny because in that clip he's talking about how like oh yeah I met Dan and like now I'm I'm inspired like I want to I'm a film major now I want to go into like entertainment and stuff. Um, you know now he's doing the daycare thing, but yeah. Wow. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, 66. What's a game that makes you feel nostalgic? You know, it's weird because games are so strongly nostalgic that, um, you know, you find someone that played Mario three back in the day and hasn't thought about it really in 20 years and you put them in front of it and they're going to have a intense wave of nostalgia. Mm. But for me, like, having worked in games and like, I'm constantly streaming like my favorite games from back then, you know, punch out and Mario and all that stuff. It's like, I feel like there was never a break, you know? So it's like, it's kind of hard mm. for me to, like if I play Twisted Metal 2 or Mario 64 uh, or Sunshine or something now, it's not nostalgia because it's like, well, I kind of just kept playing these, you know? Like yeah. I was doing replay episodes at Game Informer about these games or, you know, just doing streams about them or just picking them up randomly after the bars one night. And like, so I'm trying to think of a game that, God, I haven't returned to because, like, I'm constantly returning to 8-bit, 16-bit, like that era. Um, Kickle Cubicle for the NES. Kickle Cubicle? Yeah, huh. and I think maybe I'm more nostalgic for that because people never talk about it. You know, it's not getting yeah. Kickle Cubicle All-Stars coming to Switch. You know, it's not like <laughs> we're hearing about that in 2020. We weren't hearing about it in 1989 or whatever. I thought that out. Vicarious Visions was doing the remake yeah, of uh, yeah, Kickle so. Cubicle. No? Well, they did Kickle Cubicle HD back in the day, but that one they didn't get the feel it's, right. And so yeah. they had to do, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's one that like, I don't really return to a lot, but I remember renting at my grandma's place back as a kid and loving it and no one ever talks about it. So I'd say Kickle Cubicle. Wow. That's a deep cut. I like it. Uh, 67. What game have you spent the most time playing? I'd say Soul Calibur. Mm, And like, that's probably rare for a fighting game, especially someone who was never like a competitive level really. But like. You know, I always hear stuff like I would hear Brad talk about spending thousands of hours playing Dota uh, at Giant Bomb, or you'd hear people say like, oh, I've got three weeks of playtime on on WoW and stuff like that. And that was just never, ever my approach. Like, you know, if I really like a game, I will play the shit out of it. You know, I'll get several days of playtime on a Call of Duty and Prestige a few times and stuff like that. But like, there are very few games where my play count has gone into the hundreds of hours, I would say, and none that have gone into like a thousand. I'd say Soul Calibur, I was probably around 500. Um... And it's not to say I don't get really into the games I like. It's just that I don't really play those types of games. I don't play MOBA. I don't play MMO, the type of games that, like, require thousands of hours of playtime to get good, partially because that's the way they are. And, like, I feel like if I'm spending 2,000 hours learning how to play Dota, like Brad says it takes 2,000 hours before you know what you're doing, I hear that and I'm like, well, I never want to play that game because that's 2,000 hours I could spend. Like, I've always liked playing everything. 
And not everything. I'm not going out playing FIFA or things that I know is not going to be <laughs> in my wheelhouse. But like, I just feel like there's so many more experiences and so many more games I could have knowledge about rather than diving. So, and I'm not like disparaging anyone who does that. Like, I think it's cool when people become experts at a really deep game like a Dota. But I hear that and I'm just like, no, I don't want to ever fucking touch that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think I'm kind of wired the same way where after like i think the game i played the longest was like final fantasy tactics advanced and i probably hit like 120 hours and was like i'm good dude i'm probably right there almost down to the hour count on that on that exact game the advanced version yeah Uh, that and like you know breath of wild is probably like 120 140 hours you know like but that's that's about like the high end for me for the most part yeah i i gotta agree uh man that game is good i should pick it's awesome yeah (laughs) uh 68 what's something you've built with your own hands the lego nes oh i've been keeping my eye on that one okay it is awesome i did it on stream it was like 10 hours it's all on my youtube i uh it was really fun i set up a whole i'd never done like a build stream and so i brought out a table and i like set up a vertical camera pointing down and like i just built the whole thing on stream and it was such a nice low-key cool stream and so much fun to put together and uh it kind of made me realize that legos might be awesome we just bought a huge set uh bonk did because i know bonk my wife would love putting legos together and so uh I, I was like, I know you're going to love this. Just go to lego.com, find a huge set that you think uh, looks cool, and you're going to love this thing. So I think it's coming early October. We're getting like Assembly Square or something. It's this giant thousand, multi-thousand piece set. Oh and uh, I think that stuff's awesome. Wow, very cool. Uh, 69, best pickup line. I never was the pickup line guy. Um, I was always very nervous around girls always 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 even like even like when i was going to bars and i was single and stuff you know like there were times where it was plainly obvious where it's like if a girl was like looking at me or smiling or something like my friends would be like just go talk to her she's obviously like interested i would just be so nervous i had in college there were times where i like there's a girl i worked with at the call center that straight up told my friends that like hey I just want Dan to ask me out, you know, like I wish he would ask me out. And so I knew, I knew she liked me and I liked her, but I was just so nervous to like ask around. I never did. Uh, um, so I, I'm the opposite of that. Uh, <laughs> ben Hansen, he was the guy that was always, <laughs> it was, it was, it was really funny because at bars and stuff, he never had any fear whatsoever with uh, talking to, talking to girls and, and doing like cheesy pickup lines and stuff like that. The funny thing with him is, after he would do the pickup line, if any if any interest was reciprocated, he would just freeze. And I, I think I've, I've told this story on podcasts before, so I, I feel like I don't need permission from Ben to, to tell this. But there's one time we were at Vegas Lounge, my favorite bar in Minneapolis, and he uh, there was this girl singing uh, "Call Me Maybe" uh, on on the karaoke stage, mm-hmm. and uh, I thought she was attractive, and I was like, "Oh man, I wish I could just go up and like you know uh, talk to her or whatever." And Hanson's like, "Tell you what you do." Go up and just say, when she's done, say, more like, call me, definitely. And I was like, Hanson, I'm not going to do that. And so Hanson did it. Hanson goes up to her at the bar and just says, like, more like, call me, definitely. And this girl, like, grabbed him by the shoulders and was like, you are so hot. And and she says, and I haven't had sex in two months. Oh, my. And Hanson just deer in the headlights, like, and I think he just left the bar. (laughs) I... 
You know, I, I love that story so much because when I asked Ben Hansen that question, he told me the exact same story, but Are from his s- from his perspective. <laughs> so, really? Yeah. So now I have to go back like a forensic artist and like listen to the two stories back to back. Oh my god. I adore that. <laughs> Who call me definitely. Like that's it's, that's Hansen. He the, used to go up to girls and be like, Oh, are you into word based board games? <laughs> What the hell are you doing, Hanson? It's a, it's a it's a long shot, you know. You yeah. gotta respect it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> question seventy: Have you ever had any good nicknames? Um, I don't know where the Dirty Dan stuff started, but um, like that that maybe started around the time like I don't know if that was like Aaron Trites or Alex Navarro or Drake or somebody sort of calling me that around the time like that PAX wrestling stuff was going on mm. early on. Uh, so that kind of stuck. It's like, like now, like Xavier Woods calls me dirty Dan. Like when I show up on the podcast and stuff, it's like, Oh, okay. I guess that's stuck. Um, so I guess dirty Dan, um, my stepdad, uh, my ex stepdad was named Dan. And so he would call me junior. Um, mm. but yeah, no, I'd say dirty Dan's probably the main one. That's a, yeah, it's pretty solid. Uh, 71. Do you believe in love at first sight? Yeah. Ooh. Definitive. I was, just talking to to Bianca about this uh, last night because it's just like the second I, I was telling her last night. It's like the second I saw her profile on OK Cupid, I was just like, oh my god! I, I was so attracted to her. Everything she said was funny and seemed like we had so many similar interests and stuff like that. So I was just like, oh my god! She she's the one. She's she's perfect. She's but I sent this like message to her and I was like, I'm not going to hear back, am I? This is going to be this crushing thing that I saw this girl that was perfect for me and i'm never gonna hear back and uh obviously long story short here we are and the message obviously said call me definitely that's uh, which is why it works so well yes i consulted with ben hansen (laughs) he said that was the best course of action yes (laughs) known lothario ben uh 72 uh what's a big turnoff of yours in the sense of like like something that uh someone would do Let's say on a date that you would go, uh, um, I'd say any kind of, uh, you know, if you're being rude to service staff, mm. uh, that's an instant kind of just like, that's not even a red flag. That's just like a, I instantly would just lose respect for someone, you know, because yeah. I don't know. It's my mom was a waitress, uh, the whole time I was growing up and, uh, you know, my, my, all the Rikert side, my dad's side of the family, we all worked at like grocery stores and stuff like that. Um, so I don't know anyone just being that dick to like a cashier or a waiter or a bartender or something like that for not doing something fast enough or whatever, you know, like, um, and I've seen that before and, and it's just like instantly it's like, well, I don't think I like that person. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, I mean, so- like if someone's being like, like, you know, if someone's being like a shitty waiter or like, you know, if there's like reasoning, like, I don't think there's ever reason to be like aggressive about it, but like you can be disappointed or, or leave less of a tip if someone's like straight up being shitty at their job. But like, it's the like, treating them like they're less than a person type stuff that I, I always hated. Yeah. Uh, 73. Do you consider yourself an artist? No, that's not. <laughs> I just look, I'm not someone who's going to thumb my nose at art or artists or anything like that by any means. But like, I just think I'm a guy who does a bunch of weird stuff and I don't consider, I've never considered anything I've ever done art. I never consider what I did at Game Informer journalism. Um, you know, uh, so that's why it's like whenever I would like get lumped in, it's like, oh, you know, game journalist and director. Like, mm, I don't know if you, you either don't know what a journalist is or you don't know what I do, but uh, uh, maybe an enthusiast or, you know, games media, I guess you could call it. But art, 
No, I consider myself not. A, I don't think I'd consider myself like a regular guy because I know my life is very odd. But I, I art to me, uh, when when you hear that phrase or someone calling themselves an artist, I think uh, you know there's some pretension or some some highfalutin nature to that, yeah. that that comes across. Like my grandpa, oh my god, anytime he ever saw anything that was remotely artsy, he would refer to it as tippy toe crap. And my dad and I were always trying to figure out, you know, we'd be like, oh, you know, Grandpa, do you want to go see this movie or watch this show? Like, ah, it's a bunch of tippy-toe crap. And it's like, what does that mean? And we realized he probably thinks of, like, ballerina, like a, like an opera or, like, ballerina, like, like, walking around on their tiptoes, like, doing, like, yep. an artsy performance or something. Like, that's what we think he meant, but uh, he's dead now. We're never going to get that answer. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> uh, uh, 74. What's something you tried to cook and failed? <laughs> Well, there's a notorious egg white story. So yeah, yeah. I'll just, you could probably just Google Dan Reichert egg whites and I'm sure there's some YouTube compilation or something. But uh, yeah, I'll just say, I'll leave it at that. I tried to cook egg whites in college and I didn't do it right. Uh, didn't do it right is an understatement, but certainly. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta leave them wanting more. It's <laughs> perfect. That's good for the SEO. I don't yeah. Know. Uh, 75. Oh no. Dubbed the Ben Hansen. No good. What's the greatest piece of art ever made? Uh, I feel like the jokey gimmick answer is MacGruber or Metal Gear Solid, but I'm not going to do that. I mean, Metal Gear Solid. I mean, yeah, if you want to talk about, um, (laughs) boy, this kind of goes back to me. I just don't trust, like, I just don't know if art is like, I know I was like a film major and stuff, but you know, I was never like talked about i never really watched i never went went to class i never i don't feel like i learned anything really about film Mm. in college or or the art of filmmaking or anything uh fuck man i know he's gonna say like love line or something (laughs) but um which he still says is the greatest show in the history of any entertainment medium um i maybe i'll just go with simpsons seasons three to ten yeah it's yeah I'm not going to say that's the funniest show that's ever existed, but it's as funny as any show that's ever existed. Like, I think it's the most incomprehensibly clever comedy writing I've ever seen in my life. Like you watch 21 minutes of it and it was airing on primetime in the fucking nineties. And it's just like, how are we cramming this many amazing jokes and visual references and obscure jokes and broad jokes that appeal to mainstream and also like the biggest, like Harvard comedy dorks you could imagine. Like it's, it's incomprehensible that that show was that good back when it was. Yeah. It's, I was literally watching a compilation of Troy McClure moments mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. And uh, he does the one, uh, the the episode where Lisa becomes a vegetarian. And uh, they do the one, oh, uh, it's a killing floor. And then the little kid gets all shocked. And he goes, don't let the name fool you, Timmy. It's not really a floor. It's more of a grating for sluice <laughs> yes. to pass through. <laughs> yes, that's amazing. <laughs> like, such what's, a brilliant wordplay. What's the Troy McClure thing where it's like, there's some weird thing going on. Like, Troy McClure tosses to something on the show and then like it cuts back and he doesn't realize he's on camera he's just like to the side of the stage or something or oh, and he's like scratching his... his belly or whatever or he's like he's like smoking a cigarette or something he's like what the hell was that <laughs> like, oh hi i'm on camera like i forgot I, what it was i want to say that's the I, I i forget the number but like 138th episode spectacular, episode spectacular. that's the one with the uh matt Groening with the eye patch and the nra forever <laughs> out of here and he's yeah. 
tattooed yeah. at the door. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I had no idea like what the NRA was or anything. And then, so like for the longest time, I thought some of those things were real. So it's like, Oh, I didn't know the cash register said NRA forever. I don't know what that means, but Oh, what a fun little joke. They put it, but it's like, yeah, I had I, no idea what that was. I took it at face value when I was a kid. And now looking back, it's like, this is such a brilliant parody of yeah. everything. Uh, yeah. Just amazing. Um, <laughs> 70 <laughs> nice duality of questions here 76 have you ever had something happen to you you'd consider paranormal oh boy um <clears throat> uh no okay i th- I'm, I'm struggling to think of something that's even like remotely in that realm i'm i'm definitely not a like ghosts or uh yeah i'm not uh aliens nothing like that like god i'm just trying to think of anything at all coming up i'm sure there's some weird story that confused me as a kid or something but (laughs) i honestly can't or can't think of anything no that's fair uh 77 would you ever use a ouija board yeah because again i don't really like i don't hold any stock in that stuff so uh yeah I guess okay. <laughs> just as a novelty, I guess I would try it. Uh, question 78. Simply why? Why not? It's a good one. 79. If given the chance, when would you time travel to? Um, boy, I, the sheer curiosity of like, I would love to go 500 years in the future or something to see what the hell is going on. Mm. Um, in, in a lot of different ways. Um, if I had to go past, uh, boy, I kind of feel like like the late '60s, early '70s. Um, ooh, I'd be, I'd be very interested to go back to like you know '70s, '80s wrestling. You know, just to like if I could go back in time and be like on the road working, you know, in, in the wrestling industry, not as a wrestler, but you know, like putting stuff together, or being on yeah. a road crew. Like, just those stories have always fascinated me about just like the weird wild west days of wrestling and to see it firsthand would be kind of amazing. Oh, that's, that's another YouTube rabbit hole where it's like, I'm just going to listen to Roddy Piper tell stories. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, well, four hours of my day are gone. Just watching these videos to actually yep. have been there. Oof, I could only yep. imagine. <laughs> Question 80. Have you ever made a sudden dramatic change to your lifestyle and stuck to it? Um, I would say when I was 18 and I first started having panic attacks and really struggling with that stuff. Um, that's when I started with meditation and I would say there have definitely been large stretches of my life where I haven't done it as much as I should, or, you know, months or, you know, even maybe a year or two at a time where I just wasn't in a regular practice of, of any description, you yeah. know, even now, you know, it's, I, I do it a few times a week, but I, I should really have a daily practice. But I would say, you know, around the time I was 18, I was just like, okay, I, I found a thing that works for me. I need this to always be kind of in my arsenal. So yeah. I'd say I'd say that. That's uh, fantastic. Uh, 81, what game show, past or present, would you love to be a contestant on? Uh, there's a lot. Um, <laughs> boy. Uh, w- Supermarket Sweep would be very fun. Oh, yeah. Nick Arcade. Nick Arcade. Ooh. 
I mean, there's the obvious, like, you know, Nickelodeon, you know, Nick Arcade, Legends of the Hidden Temple, Guts, Double Dare. Honestly, all that stuff, I was such a sucker. Uh, what Would You Do? That's one that no one ever talks about that I loved. What Would You Do? Mm. Um, honestly, any of that stuff. I loved Family Feud, uh, Shop Till You Drop, like, all these weird, like, <laughs> just, I watched everything. There was, like, a whole summer where I just did nothing but watch the Game Show Network in, like, sixth grade. Um I just, I love gaming shows. Even now, like, I don't watch it a lot, but, like, the spirit of Wipeout, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I love just that dumb bullshit. Like, I would love to do something like that. Like, any any game show I would love to be on. I was on a game show in college once, and I've been trying to find the VHS tape. It was just, like, a pretty standard trivia show. Uh, but it was pretty fun. It was just, like, a local access thing. But, oh, yeah, awesome. anybody out there that has a game show, book me. <laughs> you hear that, uh, <laughs> Letterman? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Noted uh, game showsman. <laughs> he loves them. <laughs> uh, 82. What's a quote that you love? Uh, I always liked it in Spinal Tap. I can't remember if they're looking at like potential cover art or something. Like they're going over like a creative, like, oh, do we like this or not? And one person says like, well, it's, yeah, I think it's clever. And the other person's like, oh, you know, it's stupid. It's like, well, it's, it's, it's a fine line between clever and stupid. I always liked that. That's a, yeah, it's brilliant. Also. Yeah. What a movie. Come on. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Paul Schaefer. Speaking of Paul Schaefer, hey, he's in that. It all links together. Yeah. Um, 83. What's the best shirt that you own? Um, I just got this new Terminator 2 Judgment Day shirt from a site called Cavity Colors. Uh, somebody on Twitter uh, turned me on to. And uh, just a real kind of cool montage of robots and Sarah Connor and cool shit. Like, I like that one. It's real good. Uh, 84, would you change your middle name? No. It's my grandpa's name. Oh. what If you don't mind me asking. Joseph. That's a good one. Daniel Joseph Record. I tried going by DJ for like two weeks in fifth grade, and it was really stupid, <laughs> and I stopped. Uh, oh, DJ Record. And not great. Uh, <laughs> uh, 85, what's a good impression you can do? Oh, crap. Um... <laughs> I feel like there have been some that people have said that I'm good at, but it's always just been like on the off the cuff, like, and I didn't realize I was good at it. I'm trying to think. Uh, I'll try doing some Mario noises. Ready? Okay. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. That's pretty solid. <laughs> I don't pretty know. So- I could feel the triple jump a coming. <laughs> yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Or there's a you know, uh, these are just grunts and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's not like a, I don't think that counts as an impression if you're just grunting and hooping and hollering. Hey, don't tell uh, Charles Martinet that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man made a, a, a million dollars or uh, maybe even more off of that. <laughs> love him for it. Oh, he's great. I oh, wait, to... wait, oh, wait. Here's my impression. Oh. Okay, okay. It's after Link and Ocarina of Time. <laughs> if you jump, yeah. If, if you jump and you land, and it sounds like his goddamn knees are shattering. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean when you take damage oh, and he yeah. flies. So he stops and he can't move. And he goes, that's really good. That's actually, the one. That's actually really good. That's the that's the impression I can do. That's the gold right there. We found it. <laughs> we found it. <laughs> Uh, 86, is there a tattoo you wanted to get, but are glad you didn't get? <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say I ever got anywhere close to actually getting a tattoo. Mm, okay. I was trying to have a bet with my friends at one point in college where it's like the loser had to get like, uh, Bob Barker's face tattooed on her ass. <laughs> 
and I was really pushing for it. And I thought it'd be really funny because like we were trying to think of like a penalty for like we had some sort of competition or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, no, it'd be hilarious. Imagine one of us has just a photorealistic face of Bob Barker, which is right front and center on, on one, one ass cheek. And then like for the rest of our lives, we had to explain, you know, to anyone who sees it, what the hell that is. And uh, I, I did not win that argument. Would have been real funny. <laughs> uh, Bob Barker. Of I don't people. know. I played as Bob Barker in Saints Row 2. <laughs> Again, sentences I did not expect to hear today. Well, that was when I was playing single player, and so I was Bob Barker running around, not Steelport, whatever the city was at that time, yeah. uh, until my friend Dave wanted to play uh, co-op, at which time both of us made perfect recreations of the narc guys, and I was the blue guy and he was the red guy, and we made sure to only drive around in sports cars with rocket launchers, and we basically played 3D open world narc, and it was amazing. That's that's a pretty good way to play that game. <laughs> it was awesome. It's really good. Uh, eighty-seven. How would you describe your sixteen-year-old self? Oh man, fuck. Uh, <laughs> just hopelessly weird, awkward. Um, didn't know. Absolutely no way uh, talking to a, a a woman my age was even a remote possibility. I was just way too nervous. Um, everyone liked me. Like I got bullied a lot as a little kid in elementary school and junior high. By the time I was sixteen, I was starting to do a bunch of like you know film stuff and like short films and like video announcements, like getting people involved with these fun projects and shit. Mm. And like so, all the different like groups liked me you know like the jocks or the weird theater kids and the gaming guys are like the god like everyone liked me um but i was still so just socially anxious that like like people would ask me to come to parties and stuff like that but i was just like i just don't know how to do that i just feel like i'd be so nervous um because like, i didn't drink or anything at the time and, like turns out the key was alcohol uh, <laughs> you, hear that? you hear that kids <laughs> yeah it, it fixed a lot of that <laughs> so, got to college started going for it so, oh here's the secret thing um uh so yeah it was just like it wasn't like a, a tortured existence or anything like that i was just anxious more anxious than I think I knew at the time. I think I had a lot of like anxiety disorder stuff under the surface that kind of blew up when I was 18. Um, but yeah, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was unhappy. Uh, I just really retreated into the worlds I was comfortable with and familiar with, which was video games and wrestling. And, you know, I would spend a you know Friday or Saturday night in high school, just like going to borders books and like reading a book about Led Zeppelin or something, you know, or w- renting a, a, an old pay-per-view that I never saw on DVD or something, you know? So I just kind of really retreated yeah. into those things. I would say. Gotcha. Okay. Fascinating. Um, 88. What's the worst injury you've ever had? Um, boy, breaking that collarbone sucked, but having surgery on my balls was probably up there. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. That... <laughs> Yeah, that was, I don't know if, yeah, that probably counts as an injury. I don't know. I told the story at length in graphic detail on Metal Gear Scanlon. Um, Basically, my balls started hurting a lot when I was like 18, and I had like a a problem with some like veins or something. I had to have a bilateral varicocelectomy. And trust me, as an 18-year-old boy, the last thing you want is uh, getting put under and having people cutting around your balls. Um, But that all, that's all fine. I'm 31. I would still prefer not to have that. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm all good now and everything, but that was a, a scary time where it's like, Oh, we got to do surgery on your balls. Um, yeah. but I'll say breaking my collarbone and getting a concussion. When I slipped on some ice was uh, probably number one. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Rough. 
uh, 89. What is a habit of yours you want to break? Um, well, the habit is kind of like I will get very, uh, I, I will get in a really good stretch of like working out or eating healthy and stuff like that. Like, I, I feel like I'm in one right now. Like I signed up for this like yoga class that I've been doing for a month now. And so I'm doing, you know, an hour of like pretty intensive yoga, like four or five times a week. And I'm feeling amazing. I'm, yeah. I'm losing weight. And like, you know, I get up at like five in the morning to do it. And because of that, you know, I'm maybe I'm less prone to like stay up till four in the morning playing games and having some drinks if I know I got to get up, you know? So it's like, overall, I'm just feeling like in a really healthy spot right now. But the habit is, whenever something happens to kind of shake out of that routine, like typically this would happen with like a PAX weekend or something. So it's like, mm. I would be in a really good stretch of exercising and eating right. And then I would just spend three days in Seattle or Boston around all these industry people. And like, I would see that as like carte blanche to just like, Hey, I'll eat everything that I want. I'm going to, you know, drink as much as I want every night. You know, I'm just going to like, Hey, I'm on vacation, vacation diet and all that stuff. And then when I get back, it's kind of like, well, I, I would just get kind of shaken out of the routine. So I guess the habit of getting out of good habits is one I would like to break. Gotcha. That makes a lot Which, of you sense. Which, you know, during quarantine and stuff, I've actually found it a little easier because it's like, you know, you're not really traveling. You're, uh, you know, it's a little easier to get into a repeatable routine. Whereas like before quarantine, I was traveling a lot with work and I know I'll be traveling again at some point in the future. Um, but for now, I'm trying to really take advantage of the fact that like, well, if I want to get up every morning and do yoga, I, I can do that. Yeah. Very true. Uh, question 90, home stretch time here. Have you ever lied on your resume? No, despite what Jeff Cork says. <laughs> what does Jeff Cork say? Jeff Cork, those of you listening, if you know Jeff Cork from Game Informer, he still maintains this and it drives me insane because I uh, take pride in uh, being a very forthcoming, truthful person. Um, I said on my resume for Game Informer, because it was Jeff Quirk and Andrew Reiner that interviewed me. Oh. And so they were going through, because they were going to hire five people, because they were going to like make a big push for online. That's where me, Tim Turi, uh, Jeff Markifava, Annette Gonzalez, we were all hired. Mm. Um, yeah, and so I put on my resume that like I had my own sketch comedy show. I had won a bunch of awards for video production, like national awards and stuff like that. I had won film festival awards for short films. Like All that was completely true. Um, and so I put it on my resume. Because it was like, I think the, the position, or it said like, oh, list skills and stuff like that. And they asked me about it in the interview, Reiner and Cork did. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's there on the resume. So, you know, I won these awards. I did all this stuff. They asked me no questions about like what equipment I use or what my technical knowledge was and stuff like that. Because like that was the thing I was always really weak at. Like all of my sketches and stuff in college, like I never did lighting. You know, I just had like a $300 camera from Best Buy because I couldn't afford anything more than that. So like I always trusted my comedic timing and my editing and just kind of like just the creative part of it. But I never really knew the technical aspects of you know, I didn't like, it took me years of doing video production to know how to like white balance or, you know, yeah. I just like basic things. I was just never that guy. I was very much just on the creative end, not so much the nitty gritty technical end, which is why I was a godsend when Ben Hansen came on and it's like, Oh wait, I can just go be on a thing and have ideas for things. And he does all the work. That sounds great. <laughs> um, so basically I just, I said all the video stuff on the resume and in the interview and they brought me in and I very quickly got the sense that they thought I was going to be like more of like a video expert. And cause like, I remember Megan Marie and Nick Aaron's, uh, you know, used to be a game informer. They were like, Oh yeah, you know, I've been, you know, they, they seem very excited to bring you on because you know, we're going to have like a video expert here as well as a, a games writer. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I'd love to help with the video stuff for sure. But then like they would send me on a trip, you know, I, they sent me out to Bungie like right away. 
and with this like big ass expensive camera that like i didn't know what any of the buttons did on it other than the big red one you know and so it's like i didn't know i'd never worked with like detachable lenses i didn't know what to do about like frame rate i didn't know what oh, what 24p i don't know what that is 29.997 i don't know what any of this shit means you know yeah um because i just kind of threw stuff into premiere i knew how to edit to what i needed for uh, which actually you watch Hanson. Hanson watched a lot of my old like high school sketches and stuff and said he was kind of amazed at like some of the like special effects and stuff I was able to do. But that was always just by dinking around with stuff in Premiere, like the actual like cameras and stuff. I just never knew. So like they were kind of surprised when I would ask questions about the camera, like, uh, how do I do this? <laughs> and they like a cork ever since then maintain that like oh he lied on his resume about his video knowledge mm. about his video skills and like cork's one of my best friends you know like it wasn't like it's a jokey thing between us now but i know he still thinks that i lied on my resume where i didn't i won all those awards i had a sketch show i didn't say i was a lighting expert i didn't say hey whatever professional grade camera you're using i have any experience with so i did not lie about that uh but jeff cork would tell you differently mm. we might we might be having jeff cork on to uh, counteract this you right? should Every question is about yes. <laughs> Dan's resume. Yes. Uh, <laughs> love it. Uh, 91. Have you ever punched someone in the face? Twice. Oh. No. Wait. Twice. Three times. Three times. Um, okay. Once was uh, uh, the main bully um, that bullied me throughout elementary school. We are at a skating party uh, for the school, and he was sending all of his friends out to, like, trip me on the skating rink and, mm-hmm. like, try to hurt me and stuff. And I finally had enough, and I skated up to him, and I just decked him in the face. And that led to a whole, like, school meeting at Holy Trinity of, like, all the parents and everything. <laughs> and all the other parents being like, oh, well, it's just boys will be boys, right? And my mom being like, fuck this. He's been bullying my son for years. Um, and it just wound up with me leaving uh, Catholic school in, in fifth grade, to, mid, mid-year, to go to public school. That was one of them. Another one was I was on the wrestling team in back when I was at Catholic school, fifth grade, and I was getting bullied again. Like fifth grade was kind of like where all the bullying was kind of at, at the most. Mm. And uh, there's this other guy, Adam, that was just kind of just, just constantly just fucking with me before we were like getting ready for this wrestling meet or something. And he was just like just being a dick and like shoving me and just being an asshole. And I finally just I think he tried to kick me and I think I was able to catch his leg and I punched him in the face uh, and that that stopped it. And so, yeah, that, that was two times. And then the third time was. Um, we had this kind of back and forth prank war going on in college in the dorms. And Ben, the guy I talked about before, mm-hmm. uh, he, we got back from the bars one night. I passed out in my bunk and then he broke into my room with a credit card and poured a bunch of super, super glue into my hair. Oh my God. And <laughs> okay. so I had to cut it out and I told him, I was like, all right, Ben, here's the deal. I'm going to get you back for this. And you can, you know, wonder when it's going to happen. You can wonder, you know, you could be on campus. I sneak up on you or whatever and do something, or you can just take a punch to the face right now while it's late and you're drunk and we'll just get it over with right now. And he's like, all right, do it. I just punched him in the face. You know what? I, it's a good option to take all things considered. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then I punched John Drake in the face a bunch for that punch out thing. We did a giant bomb. Well, okay. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> Which really weren't necessary since you had the controller. But yeah. No, it, it's, it's the only way to play that game. Oh, of course. Of course. By you are the John controller. Drake. <laughs> you are the controller. Yes. Anyone looking to play the NES, don't worry. Just call John Drake. He'll, yep. <laughs> he'll show It'll up. It'll be help. your personal power pad. <laughs> uh. 92 would you ever go to a nude beach i can't say i have any interest in that okay fair uh 93 when was the last time you cried 
Oh boy. Um, Somehow not the realest question on this list. (laughs) I never quite understood, but you know, I've never really been a crier. Um, uh, I don't know if if, like Bianca's ever having like a tough time with something and I can tell she's really hurting. Uh, that'll get me for sure. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm not going to go into like every uh, specific thing that she's, she's, uh, struggled with or anything, but like, you know, if she's dealing with a situation that's very tough and I can tell it's really hurting her, uh, that'll, that, that affects me for sure. Gotcha. Makes total sense. Uh, 94, what's something you've done and will probably never do again? Uh, play Death Stranding. (laughs) You mean, uh, the game of the year for 2019? Nope. Oh boy. Steaming pile of shit. <laughs> oh boy. And you know what? Ben Hansen's a goddamn coward. Because I'll tell him here's the thing. Uh-oh. Hansen, Hansen loves well, you you'll know this more because yeah, I don't really like listen to a lot of video game stuff. And yeah. as much as I love Ben and support what he does, I, I haven't heard like the podcast or anything. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how he's talked about this, and correct me if I'm wrong. Death Stranding. Yeah. How does he describe his feelings on Death Stranding when that comes up? Uh, I think vaguely positive, but doesn't go into much detail is all. I okay. Care. Okay. That's what I was assuming because that's how he kind of acts when it comes up around me. Here's the thing. He is as much of like a Metal Gear Kojima dork as I am. Mm-hmm. He was, he was as fat. Like we are in the same boat as far as like our fandom of like Metal Gear basically. And Death Stranding came out and obviously he had to be extremely, extremely interested in what was going on with that game. Cause it's Kojima's first new IP in forever. Then it comes out. Yeah. And me and him had similar experiences. We both played, uh, I think I played more. I think I played seven or eight hours. If I'm not wrong, I think he played like two or three. And then we dropped it. And we never wanted to play it again. The difference is, I will straight up say, I stopped playing it because that game fucking sucks. Where it's like, <laughs> I don't know. I know Hanson, I know Mid Max, super positive place and everything. I, I really do appreciate that. I like that a lot. But if you don't like something, say you don't like it. And I feel like Hanson is so wishy-washy about like, well, I just, I don't know. I didn't play it. It's like, go into it talk about it why don't you like it explain like obviously you didn't like it and i feel like i can't get a real conversation with hansen about uh about old death stranding there mm, what is he hiding what is he trying to keep under there so i think I... he's a i think he's afraid to uh to express an opinion that might ruffle feathers whoa man yeah. yeah some hot takes mm-hmm. <laughs> some, re- some real journalism happening in this mm-hmm. pod hell yeah <laughs> uh 95 what's the best compliment you've ever received um after the big live live show uh i did did a segment in 2015 i think we called the big live live show giant bomb where it was just like a big it was like 12 hours of just like live weird sketches and games and stuff Mm -hmm. and i did a a segment called better with nacho cheese which is very much a like game show type segment where I, i had a panel uh, I think it was uh, Jeff Gersman, Felix Kramer, and Dave Lang, and we. I just brought in a bunch of different foods, uh, like trick cereal or uh, vanilla pudding or um, uh, a white Russian, but I called it a yellow Russian because I used nacho cheese instead of milk. And mm. so basically, my I was testing my theory that everything is better with nacho cheese. And so I had this panel test all these different foods with nacho cheese, and obviously it's all stuff that would not mix well with nacho cheese at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just presented in such a way that, like, afterwards I remember seeing a comment that's saying, like, it was a very Letterman-esque uh, segment, and they said, like, there was a part where, I, I was not doing this intentionally, but, like, the way I just, like, introduced it or looked at the camera or something, they were like, oh, yeah, this is just, like, uncanny how much of, like, a Letterman segment this is. And, I it, again, it was not intended, but it, I look back at it and I was like, 
that was probably me just channeling like a weird old Letterman bit. And like I that it reminded somebody of a Letterman bit. It was like, I will take that as a very high compliment. Yeah, that's tremendous. That is it's it's akin to like a Letterman will it float like Yes, yes, <laughs> that type of shit. I tell you, I'm watching these old episodes now and it's just amazing. Every episode is so fucking inspired. The one I watched the other night was like just at the beginning of the show, he introduced this thing where he's like, Hey, tonight we're gonna do uh taxi cab races where I need he pulled three random people out of the audience and he put these vests on them that had a one, two, and a three on it. And he's like, All right, throughout the duration of this show uh, here's what you need to do. And the winner is going to get like a $35 certificate to a shoe store or something, you know? <laughs> and it's like, and they had Bob Costas in full on like NBC. This is like 1985 Bob Costas, wow. like in, in full on, like uh, he's treating it like it's the Olympics. Like he's standing outside uh, watching all these taxis drive by and he's like announcing it, like talking about like the beauty of sports and competition and stuff like that. And it's the dumbest thing where it's like all three of these <laughs> audience members, they have the duration of the show to let him give them all a big sticky number. And it's like, all right, you got to run outside. You got to hail a cab. It was like 5.15 p.m. rush hour Manhattan, right, by Radio City Music Hall. Yeah. Like, so I guess even back then it was hard to hail a cab. So it's like you got to hail a cab. When you get in, you have to stick the sticky number on the roof of the cab so we can track it with our cameras and see it. And you have to follow – you have to race around this, like, two-block radius and come back to the Ed Sullivan – not the Ed Sullivan Theater, wherever he was, 30 Rock at the time. Mm. And you have to come back in and you'll win the gift certificate. And also, you can't just be first. You have to come back with an anecdote from your ride – about uh, the taxi driver's political feelings. And so and so Letterman said, here's an example question you may ask. Boy, there's a lot of uh, crazy things going on in the world today. What would you do to make things better? <laughs> and then you have to come back, you have to win, and then express the anecdote that the taxi cab driver gave you. And it's just complete nonsense. It's just the craziest, weirdest thing that he just pulled these random people. And that was the beauty of Letterman. It was always taking real people, whether it was Rupert at the Hello Deli right next yes. door or yes. Mujibur and Sergio, the guys who ran the like, tour shop down the street mm -hmm. and had them become like his Olympics correspondents and sent them to like Nagano or whatever. Like it was just the most amazing shit. And I just watched these old ones from the, the 80s. And I'm just like, this is the most inspired fucking comedy I've ever seen in my life. And it makes me think about like how I could do stuff like that now that I'm like on Twitch. Like, what are ways like in, mm. with the internet at our disposal you know, that I can maybe start doing stuff like that where it's like, oh, I'll gift some subs out if X. And so like that is a thing I'm doing on a regular basis now is watching these old Letterman's and like just finding myself getting inspired every single show I watch. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, because yeah. I, I feel like there's so much untapped potential from just having like, oh, I have an audience of 5,000 even, you know, just to pull a number like 5,000 people watching me do whatever. And it can be yeah. a game show and it can be just arbitrarily making them do things for a, a prize. Like, yeah, it's amazing. I, I just absolutely love it. I can't I can. There's, there's a guy there's an, an archivist. His name is Don Giller. If you look mm -hmm. on YouTube, uh, he's got tons and tons. Of, if you just search for like full episodes, Late Night with David Letterman, he's put up tons and tons of these. And it's just, it's remarkable the stuff Letterman was getting away with on NBC in the mid 80s. Wow. Oh, I love it. Uh, all right. Last couple of questions here. 96. Tell me a joke. Oh, man. I've never been the joke guy. <laughs> you don't um... have one in your back pocket, just. Uh... In, in case of emergency, break glass and... Oh, God. Um, God. Um, oh, I feel like this is a dumb one I heard a long time ago. Um, did you uh, hear the invisible man and the invisible woman got married? No, I didn't. Yeah, a lovely couple, but the kids weren't much to look at. <laughs>
Well <laughs> thank played. you. Thank you. Well thank played. You. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, uh, 97. Uh, 97 used to be a question that I came up with that just kind of sucked. So we got rid of it, and now it is the listener question of the week. Ooh. And if uh, any of the fine folks listening have a question that they want to submit, it's uh, 99questionspod. That's a number 99, everyone knows. 99questionspod at Twitter or at gmail.com. Uh, so this question today comes from Manic T. Thank you so much, Manic. Uh, he is curious what you wish you had adopted into your life sooner. So he kind of explains, uh, I know Dan talks a lot about only relatively recently started trying new foods, lifestyle changes, etc. So he's wondering of the changes that you've made in the last X amount of years, which one do you think uh, would have been best to adopt sooner in life? Um, honestly, it's just that like, as I've gotten older, I've learned more about just like the benefits of, of exercise and, and treating yourself, you know, like just not eating like a total asshole and, and, and being mindful of, of what you eat and, and how much you exercise. And, you know, I'm certainly no athlete or anything at this point, but like, mm. um, I, I keep an eye on stuff and I make sure to, you know, try to stay relatively, you know, I've got a gut and everything, but like, you know, it could be a lot worse based on the things I like eating. Um, so I just wish early on, like, I know I was never an athlete, but if I just would have like, understood the importance of getting into those habits and learning how to eat and exercise in a healthy manner early on, I think it would have made it easier for me. Whereas like now I'm 36 and I feel like I have so much more knowledge about how to eat and exercise in a way that makes me feel good. Mm. Um, but also it's, it's also harder, you know, when I'm, I, I've gotten, you know, I, I started running, you know, a few years ago in San Francisco and I, I've been struggling with a really bad plantar fasciitis uh, with that ever since. And I've got like my knees hurt more now. And it's like, I feel like if I would have paid more attention to this stuff from an earlier age, I wouldn't be struggling with uh, random little injuries and things that are holding me back a little bit now, you know? Yeah. No, that is very wise advice. Very, very good point. Which is a big reason why I'm doing yoga now is because it's like no, no impact. And it's like, well, okay, all my like muscles and all my shit is just really tight and bad. And like, you know, I'm just, yoga is a kind of good restorative, like, okay, let's just, everything's tight. Let's try to stretch that shit out in a pretty extreme way on a regular basis and try to restore back to something more healthy. Gotcha. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. And hey, thank you for the question, Manic T. Wonderful question. Uh, 98. What made you want to be who you are today? Um, it's tough because, you know, I could point towards like the game stuff. And, you know, that was obvious. It was, it was when I got, you know, the game informer, like I said earlier. Mm. Um, in terms of the person I am today, I honestly, my parents, um, in very different ways. Uh, my parents both joked that I, I got the best qualities of both of them and I avoided the, <laughs> the ones that would have caused me trouble. Yeah. Um, so like for my dad, I just, the way, I don't know, he always just had this sense of humor and this kind of way of looking at the world and, uh, that I always really appreciated, uh, just a natural skeptic, no bullshit, no pretension. Uh, you know, he, my dad and my grandpa, like the least pretentious people you could ever imagine. Mm. It's just like, you know, and that, that carried through to like the, that's why I don't take shame and like talk about like, Oh, I eat hot pockets and Taco Bell and all that stuff. Well, it's not healthy, which going back to the last question, you know, it's like, I, I've never been one to put on airs and I've never 
liked that quality in others, you know, and gotcha. I feel like, especially like it just drives me nuts when it's like you see social media and like, you know, I, I don't really use Instagram much, but you always hear about how it's always just about like trying to portray this version of yourself that you're always partying and everything's great. And, and like that type of thing always drove me nuts. I never liked the idea of presenting something that you weren't. And so I would say I got that from my dad. And then my mom, just the ambition my mom, you know, she was a waitress the whole time I was growing up, but she always had different ideas. She was so creative, uh, different like inventions and stuff. She would try to get off the ground and she wouldn't just have an idea for something. She would see it through in production. Uh, you know, these, these little devices and stuff like that. And like, it didn't work, you know, and it never really caught on these like inventions or anything, but mm. she never got dissuaded. And she was always a hustler in that like, yeah, she was a waitress at Chili's or macaroni grill, but she would also make money on, uh, she would paint these elaborate ties. So she would have to wear a tie at Macaroni Grill. And so she would use these like hot glue or, or the crazy puffy paint and stuff to make these very bright, sparkly like Scooby-Doo or Bart Simpson ties or whatever that oh, she wow. thinks that people would like. And customers would always like ask her like, oh, wow, that's such a unique you know tie. Like, where did you get that? And she would always say, well, I make those. And if you want me to make one, like you tell me what you want. I'll paint one for you. And next time you come back, you know, I'll sell it to you for this. And it's like, I kind of think that's where I got my um, I've always liked having stuff like side projects, you know, yeah. like I've always had, it's always been important to me to have the game informer or the giant bomb or the WWE. And like, I, I like that security of having the full-time job. That's very, very important to me, mm. but I've never been, that's why all my free time, I've always been like, okay, well I'm writing a book or I'm streaming or I'm working on this project or that project or trying to get into the, you know, wrestling managing and stuff like that. Um, I think that comes from my mom. So I, that's a long way of saying knowing who I wanted to be. I think I saw it growing up uh, from both my parents in different ways. Wow. Yeah. 100%. I, I, I totally see that. I love that. All right. We've reached the top of the mountain here. Question 99. What do you want to be remembered for? Uh, I would like to just hope that people see me as a, honest good-natured guy who uh doesn't uh doesn't hide how he feels or the things that bring him joy and and just kind of celebrates that you know and just celebrates the fun things in life and uh and leans a thousand percent into the things that <laughs> make me happy and that's that that's what i want that is phenomenal uh, uh absolutely and truly and uh you know what uh what i really enjoyed was this interview so dan thank you thank you so much uh i i super super appreciate you uh being on here uh thanks for asking i I had a blast too oh thank you sir uh is there anything uh you would like to plug or put out into the world float into the the ethers of people's ears uh please the the floor is yours here Sure, I won't take up too much time with the plugs because I know I got a lot of stuff. Um, but uh, if you go to danreichert.com, that's R Y C K E R T, I kind of made that as my hub of all my like active projects and stuff. So, um, but the main things I would plug are uh, Panning the Stream, which is the podcast I do with Bianca, where I mentioned it earlier, but we watch stuff on Netflix, Hulu, some old classics, some new shows, things like that. Uh, and we podcast about it. So that is Panning the Stream. You can find that on any podcast platform. And also twitch.tv slash danreichert. I have gone. Uh, fully into the streaming world and it has been nothing but a joy uh, and we've been doing some real fun weird stuff on there if you want to get a taste of it uh, go to my YouTube channel it's linked on DanRecord.com and check out The Nightmare Party uh, that is probably 
the craziest thing I've done on stream, maybe ever, maybe counting <laughs> Giant Bomb and Game Informer, because it's just like 12 hours of just like complete insanity that I put together and it worked exactly how I wanted the two. Actually, way better than I expected the two. Um, so if you got, I think the, the YouTube cut is a little over 11 hours, so it's not that daunting. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, I cut out the breaks. So uh, <laughs> yeah, tech, just, but yeah, DanRecker.com will have everything if you want to dive deeper into my stuff. What a great guy Dan Reichert is. I stand by my previous statement. Legend is what he is. And I wish I could talk to him all day, but it's time for Last Call. we got to wrap this thing up. we got to figure out what we learned here today. Well, first and foremost, I want to say I watched that estranged music video with Guns N' Roses. It is as crazy as it seems. That Axel, he's out in his left tree. Tell you what, we learned that the only thing sweeter than old 80s Letterman clips are the sweet smell of pog slammers. We learned that Hideo Kojima is at least as confusing as ordering coffee these days. Strand type drink. And if I could leave the kids out there with any nugget of wisdom, it would be punch your bullies in the face. Alcohol is the key. Don't be afraid to get surgery on your balls. You all are going to be all right. Take it from me. Or at least you will be for the next two weeks till our next episode. Till then, thank you and good night.